So I was like, man, I miss the days of getting an issue where there was something for veteran keepers, something for newer people, field herpers, venomous guys. There's just there's always something for everybody in the issues. And so I kind of wanted to bring something like that back. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. I say go Tigers one time. No. You can say it zero times. I'm glad Justin's in the chat. hello everyone and welcome to from the ground up podcast what are you so surprised about oh man someone's comment in the chat is about to get deleted so justin smith of pimento coast exotic said lsu sucks end sentence so if you're you're gonna say that then i get to say go tigers i read it okay sure you just said it though and you put it on the screen. <laughs> so what does that mean? Okay. So if you guys don't know, LSU is playing Alabama this week. Therefore, it's a shame, but the Tigers are going to be handed their second L. After they got beat by those other, the lame Alabama team. Right? You guys lost to Auburn? Who'd no. you lose to? Oh. No. Who'd you lose to? They haven't lost. Oh, you haven't? Oh, yeah. You're number one. Thank you. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank we you. I'm just going to let you keep talking until you realize. <laughs> I forgot. That we're, it's been uh, a week off of college football. Yeah. We're we both had bye weeks this week. So and it's, it's high like tension it in this house this week. I pe- um, and I was very courteous and asked if I could bring it up. And I got shot down. And then this happened. So, well, this is, I mean, since Justin brought it up. That's uh, okay. okay. Just, just playing the cigar guy, huh? The who guy? Cigar guy. Ooh. So, PortCityPythons.com. We have some available animals. I feel like I said that weird. We also have some available yeah, shirts as well as spring tails and sphagnum moss. <laughs> so, you can... <laughs> and yes, we are sharing headphones again because we didn't want to buy ones at 7-Eleven. We keep on buying cheap headphones and breaking them the next day. Oh, or let's not like in a couple of weeks. We're not. I'm not accepting a we on that. Oh, sorry about that. It's my all my fault. And as far as anything else, what do we? What else do we have to this say? Weekend. This weekend we have the Oaks Reptile Show. If you're in the Philadelphia area, come check us out at the. I don't know what it's. What is it actually called? It's like East Coast Super Show or something. Yep. I don't know. Yep. It's in Oaks, Pennsylvania. Check it out, as well as White Plains, which is like New York Metro Reptile Expo or something else. Do you realize that we don't we don't even know the real names of these things because everyone just, just calls call expos by the a reptile show or an expo or I mean yeah. Repticon you always know it's Repticon but when they're like that a different name you don't remember them. Yep, I don't know. You should specify. We'll be in the basement. We got <laughs> we yeah. got special instruction emails about being in the basement this morning. Did you did you read it? I forwarded it to Yeah, you. I read yeah, it. I didn't read it. I don't know if they're actually oh, special instructions. No, it wasn't anything bad. It was just come early and come in the back door, basically. <laughs> You're a fucking child. I can't, I can't say come in the back door. Well, if we read it again, it's not funny. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we, we, we're, we're losing our young audience here. 
the hell? Uh, this PG-13 podcast. <laughs> um, but yes, we'll be at White Plains and at uh, Oaks. Like he said, if you see us at White Plains, we're going to be a little less uh, enthusiastic, probably. No, nah, it'll be, be two pumped. shows in a row. Pumped. If LSU wins, I'm going to be hungover. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're definitely going to be at the show or on our way back from the show during the game, though. No, we're leaving the show early to yeah. So if you go see, if you are coming to the Oak Show, you better get there before three o'clock because we may leave early. We're leaving early to be home for the game. This is a very long intro. Um, someone said, "Did I miss the mag announcement?" Oh, we never said that we're in the magazine. Well, that's why we have Billy and Justin here to today. say that. To... No, not necessarily. We put it out on social media, but yeah, I guess we have. We should have a... probably said it last week, but like. Hey, we're in this thing. That's new. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Sorry, Justin and Billy. Thank but we're you, Mrs. Do it now Beach for Bum. two hours. Okay, go for it. So, if you haven't realized already, or I haven't said their name, you know, six times before bringing <laughs> them on <laughs> today, we have Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics and Billy Hunt of Uwabami Reptiles. And Melissa was looking at me, waiting for me to mess that up, and I didn't. No, I, I said it because he said it. Palmetto. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, what is a Palmetto? <laughs> but Justin and Billy have teamed up to bring you the Herpetoculture Mag, and it is an online magazine for reptiles, but I'm going to let them talk more about it. So, Justin, Billy, Welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Jesus. <laughs> uh, I got my man genies out of the way and we're good to go. <laughs> it looked like we popped up on chat roulette or something. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you crawled out on my bed, spread eagle. <laughs> Sorry uh, for the extra long. Uh... That's a perfect <laughs> reference for everyone our age. <laughs> but Kind of like my SECF 2019 uh, shirt from last year. I, I wear these things all the time. Yeah, you got to wrap it up. So what yeah. do you guys uh, wrap it up? Wrap it up. <laughs> That's pretty lame, huh? <laughs> yes. So how did did you guys first meet each other through, I mean, I know Justin had Billy on the podcast, but how did you guys meet each other? You want me to take it? So I started uh, being friends with Jacob first with the IJs and stuff. And uh, I didn't meet Justin until Carpet Fest last year um he actually stayed at my house so i just some guy i've never met i'm like yeah come on go over to the house him and jacob came over and uh yeah we just kind of hit it off you know he's not weird like he's showing (laughs) right now (laughs) yeah since then we've just been keeping in contact and uh started to do this project together yeah um actually yeah it was jake that uh that introduced us um I don't. I thought Billy was older than me by a lot. Not that Billy looks old or anything like that. Jake talked about him like he was some like older guy. He's like, "Yeah, man, you talked to Billy Hunt at all?" And I'm like, "No." He's like, "Oh, he keeps carpets and stuff too." He's like, "So then I, we started hanging out. Then he came on the podcast, and then we hung out at Carpet Fest and all that good stuff. And then, um, yeah, I I don't. You want the backstory like the magazine?" Well, and also before the show, what I was told is we we didn't meet at Carpet Fest. It was something like, oh yeah, the tent night or something. There was but, a, yeah, we had a special uh, we had a special moment. In that the, was at Carpet Fest. The tent at Carpet Fest. Me and me and Billy shared a tent. Even though you just met. No yep. fear. Yep. No fear over here. Okay, close quarters. 
So Billy, yeah, you're Britney in Florida. Britney Spears can marry somebody after meeting them for like two seconds. Me and Billy can <laughs> hang out together. In the that pretty much happened, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Joe, I'm in Florida. Yeah, so you guys went to Southeast Carpet Fest then, and uh, you guys are going to be there this year too, right? Absolutely. That's the plan. I, I'm I'm already trying to negotiate with work to get it off. Um, I may quit. If I don't get those dates off, I may legitimately like tell them, you either give me those dates or I'm gone. <clears throat> we'll see. Good plan, so, man. Wait, then you can definitely go to Daytona and Tinley next year. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> your, your schedule will be all cleared up, but your wallet may also. So it'll, you know. be, it'll be weird to get the... Uh, that's what sucks is when you when you have time, you don't have money. And, and when you don't have time, you have money. It's true. Time. Very true. That's true. So what? how did you guys come up with the concept of a magazine? I mean, this is something that obviously Reptiles Magazine, when we were growing up, basically, I mean, it was a staple everywhere. And then it just seems like obviously in-print magazines fell out of favor. And we've had some people try online magazines and stuff, but what made you guys kind of take the leap and decide to do an online magazine? Uh, it was actually something that I started last year um, by myself. I was working in that sort of the publishing realm for about two years at that point. <clears throat> so I was like, man, I know how to do all this now. Like I figured it all out. So I was like, I'm going to start one of my own you know, a lot of the motivation was Reptiles Magazine. I have nothing against them. You know, I was subscribed to that magazine for probably 10 years at one point. And I just noticed over time, it just kind of got stale. You know, there wasn't, I used to really look forward to getting in the mail every month or every other month, whatever the schedule was. Um, and then it just got to a point where I just didn't even open it up anymore when it came in. Um, so I was like, man, I wish I missed the days of getting a, an issue where there was something for, Long term, like veteran keepers, something for newer people, like field herpers, venomous guys. There's just there's always something for everybody in in the issues, and so I kind of wanted to bring something like that back, in a sense, um, just like the podcast and stuff. You know, I figure if I have the ability and I have the uh, the equipment to do it, then I kind of have a, an advantage, and I should sort of be the one to do it. Um, <clears throat> But then I, I ended up not having time for it at that time. I was working that job and I'd stare at a computer screen all day and then come home and I didn't really want to do it anymore. So I ended up shelving it. Uh, we were also trying to learn it. I was trying to learn InDesign on my own at that point. And any Adobe product, uh, program, if you've ever used it, the learning curve is like 90 degrees. <laughs> so I ended up kind of pitching it for a while. And then Billy came to me a couple months ago and was like, Hey man, if I, you know, if I help you out, will you bring it back? And I said, absolutely. And it just, we got rocking and rolling from there. So Dustin, I mean, you just mentioned all the design aspects of it, but Billy kind of, what do you put together for the magazine? Billy. No, I'm just saying what's, what's kind of your role in the magazine? So I took this on not really knowing anything about making a magazine. He pretty much said it was too much for him to do by himself. And I was like, all right, well, you have somebody now. What do we do? Like, let's just get started. And uh, I'm slowly learning. Like the first issue, uh, Justin did a lot of it. 
you know, but I'm starting to learn the process and everything. So as far as editing stuff and, you know, how to make the layouts look good and all that, just slowly starting to take the load off of him a little bit. It is much easier. How hard is it? I mean, how hard was it to find people to give you content for your first issue? Oddly enough, that's the easiest part of the whole thing. Like, it's I feel like hard. at least having the podcast, people know of you, so it's kind of an easier ask, I'm sure. Well, not even that. Even when I was doing it by myself, I had a full issue's worth of content within a week or two. Like, you just go to people, say, "Hey, I noticed," you know, Instagram, whatever, message them, say, "Hey, I noticed you're keeping failed chameleons or something of the sort." Anything that really kind of caught my eye, and it looked like the person knew what they were doing. It was like, "Hey, if you're interested, you know, I'm doing a magazine. If you feel like throwing me an article for it, you know, I'd appreciate it. If not, no big deal. We can circle back, whatever." Um, but that's that's really the easiest part. That's kind of the, the most hands off part. Because um, once people send it, most people are actually fairly decent at writing. Like. We haven't had any articles that were. <laughs> it sounds like your faith in people's writing skills is not. No, like when I, I when I worked for the magazines and stuff, it was the same way. People would send in some, some articles every now and then, and some of them were just horrible. Like just grammar-wise, spelling and stuff is just an absolute train wreck. Um, but we really haven't had that issue. Like, you know, Riley did an article on Mad Hogs last year that, or last month. Um, that was like immaculate. Like Riley can can write. Riley's really good at it. And um, I don't like to edit too heavily either when I'm when I'm going through stuff. I like to keep you know the author's sort of tone and style intact. Uh, my old boss at that magazine job, I'd send when I first started that job, I was actually writing for a, a pet and wildlife magazine, <clears throat> and uh, I was submitting articles at first before I got the job. And he would just take it and like completely almost rewrite some stuff and using tones and things that I would never use. And it completely turned me off. And so when I went into this, I said, I'm not going to do that to people. Uh, you know, small edits, keep it, keep it simple. Um, yeah. Yeah. And even I was able to write for it. So thank you for you guys both, including me on the first one. And honestly, man, like <clears throat> to have someone ask you to write for a magazine, doesn't matter like what the context is, I was just pumped, so pumped because it's a magazine and it's like something that we don't have in the hobby right now. And I feel like it was very valuable to us, you know, growing in this hobby. And I'm glad that someone is at least trying to keep it alive. And especially in a space where, you know, you're not just doing the how to breed a ball python article. Yeah. Although that's fine. I'm sure that's fine. But Everyone you knows know. how to do that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the introduction to the hobby is you figure that out. Well, I mean that's calling it her Petaculture magazine, which I know from me people are probably tired of hearing that word <laughs> everything. But in my defense, and Billy is my witness, <clears throat> we tried to find something else to use. And we couldn't like nothing else really worked like that was it. And I mean, the magazine itself, too, we don't it's not going to be just care articles and stuff. It's not going to be how to build vivariums. You know, it's going to be like editorials, like kind of the stuff Keith McPeak writes and Scott Borden and, um, you know, business aspects of the hobby, just like really all encompassing anything. If it has has to do or is related to, to herps in any way, you know, we want it to be in there. We don't want it to just be like, oh, an article on how to keep boas. Oh, an article on how to keep Herman's tortoises 
oh, an article on how to keep berms, you know, just care articles all like, I don't, I don't want it to be that, you know, I want it to be like Nipper's article on herping grease. That was a great article. A lot of people complained about the language. We have since decided to start keeping the magazine clean. Um, That's what I was about to say. The cool thing about it is that I yeah. know that was, I was all for it. Cause I was like, you know what? There's plenty of magazines out there that use language. Guess what? It's in the dictionary. People will be fine. It's just a word. And apparently that's not the case. Apparently people don't like that. So yeah, we blew that in the first five minutes of this show too, though. Hmm. That's a, we, we try to do the same thing and it doesn't. 90% of the time. It but it's a lot easier in print too. Uh, to edit yourself so going ahead i mean what are you trying to to highlight in the magazine obviously not curse words but uh, what kind of subject matter well just like jacob was saying it's anything that involves the hobby in any way um wait did you mean justin <laughs> I was like, what <laughs> yeah. same thing right i see how so, it is <laughs> so uh like, let's say there's somebody that's really good in photography and they're really good at taking pictures of reptiles and stuff. That'd be someone we'd want to reach out to. And, hey, you know, some tips or whatever, just so it's not the same on yeah. you know, everything. Taking good pictures for ads. You know, what's the best backdrops to use? What do you use for lighting? Like, just stuff, like I said, anything that can relate to the business or the hobby, you know, just. And we do. We're trying to do like regular content every issue. So like Justin likes doing a music part. Like he'll highlight a album, say, Hey, this is, you know, whenever I'm cleaning cages, I listen to this and just give someone a different outlook on what they can do while they're interacting with their collection. Uh, book reviews, stuff like that. Hipster album of the month. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's just something that, um, when you're putting it on paper or not exactly on paper, but when it's in print, it just, uh, I don't know. It just means so much more than just talking, which sucks because we have a podcast, but we need to talk for two hours. What, uh, what you can do on print, like in a very concise manner, very quickly, if that makes any sense, I may be making shit up, probably making shit up. You're looking at me weird. Um, I'm confused. Yeah. I don't understand exactly what you're saying. No idea what you're saying. Joe. I just feel like I feel like once it's in a magazine, it's true. <laughs> once it's, it's more, it's yeah. <laughs> you feel like it's more yeah. real when it's like written down. Yeah, this is all fake. What we're doing right now. I mean, essentially, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, you, you, you doing a podcast as well. You kind of know what it's like. Like you want to have people that know what they're talking about they're not just spouting out information to make themselves feel good you know and it's the same way like when we have people write which we're, we don't turn down content if someone says hey i want to send you an article on this cool we may not use it immediately we may just hold on to it and use it for a later issue if we need to but um when i go to people like the kind of the feature of the next issue is going to be uh smooth fronted caimans um the paleo sutures trigonatus uh, Travis de Lagerheim, who does awesome photography and is, is letting us use some of his photos for covers and stuff. He keeps those and he keeps them the way like they're meant to be kept. You know, he may, he's legit about them. Like there's no, he doesn't do aquariums. Like as adults, he gives them a huge space. Uh, and so like 
when I said I wanted a dwarf came in Ardor, well, he's the first person I thought of because I know he does those right. And so that's kind of the big thing too, is making sure that the people we have writing and doing these articles are, you know, they have a lot of experience with that species in particular, um, or they're just one of the best to talk about that particular individual. But if someone was wanting to send us something and, you know, they do have reasonable experience with, with a species or whatever, like we're not going to turn it down as long as everything's factually accurate and stuff. We, you know, we don't have any issues with it. <clears throat> for the first issue, was it hard for you to choose like what to put in? Like, I feel like no. the first thing you'd want to put in so much. It's just exciting. That's true. About like it. you don't want to make you're, it too long. Right. Too right. But you're excited about, you know, like, that it's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, what's that experience been like for you, buddy? I've had to hold on to articles because Justin wanted to put all of them in the first one. Like, he wants to make it, like, huge. It was 40 pages. I was like, that's not a lot. And then I come to find out everyone thinks that's gigantic. And I'm like, it's 60. Especially when, when a normal magazine, it would be filled with half ads. So right. even though you have some ads in there, you don't have a absorbent amount to where, yeah, it extends it to be that long. Yeah, and then I thought about it, and I was like, okay. Like, flipping through it, I was like, that's good. Like, that can be kind of our, our roundabout range, like maybe 50 max. You know, if it goes over, it goes under. No big deal. Like I said, we just we, we put in whatever's ready at the time, and – you know, if we think it's where it needs to be, then we get it out. So, and the and the design is like incredibly good. As Thank far you. as uh, yeah, so what you did as far as sourcing pictures as well as the design, mm-hmm. it's like a super inclusive magazine in the way of like because it breaks the borders as far as like especially I love that Cayman article where you have. I'm pretty sure I saw it on your Instagram where like the article was in the mouth or a snippet from the article was in the yeah, mouth. Yeah. I was like, that was, that was badass. And some of that's tough. Some of it, you know, I'm horrible about being able to make like color schemes and stuff. Um, so I'm kind of navigating that still, but I like posting those little snippets cause I, I hope it kind of builds peaks people's interest, you know, Oh, this is coming out in the next issue. Like I take inst- interesting little parts from the article and I'll make those little snippets with it and, you know, it keeps Instagram going and there's actually stuff on there for people to read and stuff. So it kind of works out. Yeah. I guess that kind of goes right into like, how the hell do you get attention to an online magazine? (laughs) It seemed like you guys really kind of outdid what you expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Justin did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, I don't want to take credit for what I didn't do. But. We did some Facebook ad, uh, some Facebook ad campaigns. Um, but as far as Instagram, like, I, I Instagram's a game to me. Like, I just I love building Instagram accounts and and seeing how how far I can get them and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, the first week that we put that first issue out, it hit like thirteen hundred, eleven hundred, thirteen hundred reads. Yeah. Which was way better than we thought it would be. I was expecting maybe like, I don't know, 100 or 200, whatever. So, it yeah, it did way better than I thought it was going to for the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you never know if people are going to be down to read anymore these days with all the other things going on. But it's like, I think we're all kind of craving it at this point to have something more palpable like that because there's so much, there's an overabundance of information out there. It is tough because print anything uh you know is on the decline and people's attention spans are about half a second now and so 
that was one of the things I have a coworker at the cigar shop. He's part-time and he's older. He's, he's retired and he's from Chicago and stuff like that. And I was talking to him about it and he's like, you know, 40 pages is huge. People's attention spans just aren't that great anymore. And I was like, well, my, like my thing is it's free. We put it together. You know, people don't have to read it front to back. If there's something in particular they want to read, have at it. Like we just throw it out there and people can do whatever they want with it. You know, it's, you either consume it all or you consume parts, whatever. It's just there. Oh. Yeah. And that's a good point is the fact that it's free. So do you plan on doing anything in the future? Like obviously you have a couple ads, but are you trying to monetize it in any other way? Or are you just going to try to do ads and have fun with it? Billy. This is how much I, I direct things the, the brains. Um, our idea eventually is to get people to um, buy ad space just to help offset some of the program costs and stuff we have. We're not trying to make you know, money off of it. Uh, the whole idea was to make it free so it could get to more people. Because I know, like you're saying, we're craving something like this. I Personally, me, I'm always looking for different magazines or publications or something. And something that's always kept me away from ones is you know a subscription or you know it's five bucks an issue or something like that you're not going to get that information out to people especially with how information is right at everybody's fingertips now so the fact that we're keeping it free and doing that it just takes a little effort on our part but if we can get some people to you know advertise and all that it'll help out a little bit yeah we'll start shopping it around eventually right now we just want to get a couple issues under our belt and kind of have some ad design stuff ready to go to show people and then basically say like, Hey, you know, we designed this, this is the rates, you know, whatever. So we're working towards it. It's It's just like the podcast for me, you know, it's just wherever it takes me is where it goes. I'm pretty much along for the ride. I'm not no preconceived notions. I don't want it to, you know, I, if it ever ends up paying, you know, giving us some extra walking around money. Awesome. Like if not, whatever, it's still fun to do. I still really enjoy it. You know, my, my whole goal with, with it and the podcast is, you know, leave the hobby in a better place than it was the day before and just keep getting people out there and species. And I just, I don't know. I love the hobby so much. I just, I, I just want to help it any way I can. How many hours would you say total you spent on the first issue? I mean, not really, not really that many. Um, fortunately, like we didn't when we when we did the first issue, we didn't put ourselves on any sort of hard deadline. It was just kind of like, all right, let's aim for like mid October. If we hit it, we hit it. Because um, we didn't really know how much information, like how much content we'd get initially, so it, it was hard to say. Okay, like fifteenth, that's when we're putting it out, even though we had no idea what we had coming or what was actually going to work out. Um, because that is the issue with with magazines is when you're relying on other people to be timely and get you things when you ask for them uh it's not uncommon for people to not do that um so you kind of have to plan around and that's where having the extra content on hand helps because you can take that and fill it in if someone would you know something happens stuff happens people get busy people have kids people have families whatever i get it um but just having the spare content on hand helps us fill in that gap but it for me it was mostly you know, I'd get to work and maybe it'd be slow or something and I'd work on it for an hour or two a day or so and nothing really super 
intense. And I mean, with the second issue, we're actually way ahead of schedule. So it's been really nice. And we want to get as head, you know, as much as possible so that every issue, especially with the holidays and stuff coming up, we can just have it ready and put it out when it's when it's time and cruise, you know. Yeah, for sure. Is there is there anyone in particular that if you could get them to write an article, I mean, who is your anyone you can think of? My white whale? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I really haven't thought about that. I, I haven't either. I feel like it's a little soon to ask that. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah, that's a doozy. That's a doozy of a question. That's this one. Uh, on a Kyle Phillips there asked, when's the swimsuit edition? That's not going to be until summer. <laughs> that's what <laughs> of I'm course. thinking. I got to be the one around Daytona. Yeah, I got to get my bikini ready for beach season. Yes. Can we do the bodies? The bodies issue, like ESPN does. <laughs> what is that? Are you going to be in it? You've never seen the body. <laughs> all the strong people making strong poses. Oh, they're, yeah. they're all naked and they're doing like their sport. We could they're, be like, like Serena Williams naked holding like the, the tennis racket. Like, you know, they're all doing the thing. Justin's naked with a Gaboon Viper over his junk. It and a cigar. Fucking great. And a cigar in his mouth. Of course. Free handling. <laughs> be a cigar and a <laughs> and a bear's rat. Yeah, there you go. You gotta do what they're known for. True, true. And under it, it's gonna say, "You think you have balls?" And I've just got that kaboom. <laughs> uh, Let me show you what a real man looks like. I can freehand it like a boom. Oh, Kyle's getting uh, shooting some. Uh... Some Kyle Phillips yeah, said, I guess you only need a baby corn snake to cover up. Man. True. <laughs> Accurate. A yearling. <laughs> you could get silly. You know, I think like after you get some of the real hard hitting uh, additions out, then you can get silly with it a little bit. Yeah. And that goes back to like the language thing. Like, Nipper's article was awesome, and then when we started getting some kind of like, because we were very open about critic like constructive criticism and feedback and stuff like that, and so that was like the biggest thing was the language. You know, I can't show this to kids or uh, I like can't tell people about it at educational events. And I'm like, well, I mean, if you want the Walt Disney version of a magazine, like go read Reptiles, and I don't know. It's a fine. It's a balancing act because I I kind of like it to just be like what we get sent is what we get sent. That's just how that person is. Whatever. Like if you've ever talked to Nipper, mm. that dude's crazy as hell. Um, <laughs> that's just how he talks. That's how he is. He's British and he's like ghetto British and he's like just, <laughs> I don't know how to. Yeah, that is just, that's just how he is. That's kind of the, yeah. That's the, that's the charm of the whole article is right. his tone about it. Yeah, and, and he just. Loves Americans. Yeah. Which I guess I mean maybe people will get butthurt about that as well. But it's I think snakes is such an interesting market in that that like all the people that are producing it are of age and you know available <laughs> to there's there's no there might be somewhere a twelve year old. You know, actually there was. I feel like on Bar Check I saw like years ago there was some really wealthy child oh god okay maybe don't bring that up <laughs> Melissa. um 
But for the most part, you know, the people who are breeding and putting in the time and who really want to know like all this information and read about like what their fellow breeders are doing are of age. And I feel like that is who, I mean, I would assume that's who you're marketing to. And also our podcast, that's who we're marketing to. And yes, there's also children who get in it and whatever, whatever, but it's very hard. It's a very fine line to walk because, you know, I'm of the opinion if you try to appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we, whenever we do have advertisers and stuff, we have to keep them in mind because I know if I was advertising in something and, you know, someone – there was an article that was not necessarily offensive in like the crazy everyone's offended right now sort of way, but in a way that would, you know, make my – business or brand look not great like i would have an issue with that so it, it's kind of trying to keep it I, I don't know how to explain it it's 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 a it's a tightrope you know it's yeah that's probably the biggest the biggest part was when we do start to ask people to advertise we don't want them to look at it and say you know hey we don't want our company connected to this in any way you know besides that you said people are going to be how they are, but because we just have to think long term, you know. So we plan on doing this for a good little bit. So, and I mean, it's like to some extent, like the word "hell," "damn," whatever. You can like say all that on local television right now, right. like you exactly. know, all the the local seven o'clock shows when kids are still awake. You can say all those. Yeah. Uh, it's just. Oh, it's tricky because it's you also want to maybe be some insight in why we don't have sponsors on the podcast. That's part of it. <laughs> but also, we're not trying. Um, but yeah, it's always very interesting. You want to be yourself. You want to be able to be true to who you are. We've had so many conversations about this, like lately, about how much of is how much of us being held back is kind of like this weird little like punk rock attitude. I don't want to sell out. And do like, and you know, just bend to whatever people want us to be. But also, how much do you kind of be yourself and trying to navigate whatever that line is? Because we try to be like authentic as possible, but you can be authentic and not say like totally offensive things. That's also probably, well, even I mean, the difference. I don't know if you've listened to the Conjure cast versus her pediculture podcast. Like the Conjure cast, I usually have guys that I've like mad respect for, you know, guys that I'm like, I don't want to screw this up. You know, Jack Vicente was on THP the, a couple weeks ago. Like that was one where I was like, I told Jake ahead of time. I was like, no bullshit. I was like, we got it. Like, this is legit. Like this isn't our homies. This is like, it's kind of a big deal. Like don't screw this up. Uh, and the contract has the same way. I mean, I really, I keep that one fairly cleaner and a little more straight faced. Um, but that's just because normally I don't know the people that well as I do, you know, with THP or whatever. But it's very similar. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee, and he always talks about, you know, just do – if that's the way you are, that's the way you are. Either people like it or they don't, whatever. You know, you'll have a, like, you'll have a fan base, and you'll have people that don't like you, and it's whatever. Like, that's okay. That doesn't bother me. I don't want to change the magazine – for the you know handful of soccer moms that are like they said the word fuck I don't want my child reading that even though they let them listen to like Kendrick Lamar and freaking Wu Tang Clan like <clears throat> that's completely fine but they read the word fuck and now it's a big deal so I don't know I don't it's just yeah I, I understand and I 
Because yeah. I think about it a lot. Yeah. Constantly teetering, like, man, should we just say screw it and like let people write whatever they want? As long as that's our only stipulation with articles is like they can't be talking shit about somebody else. Like they can't be pointing fingers at anybody. Like that's like my hard line. That's my hard limit. Is like the moment you start calling somebody out in one of our articles in the magazine is the moment that it's not going to be put in. Do you send like when they agree to write? Do you send out like guidelines? Um, sort of. Kind of not really. Uh, <laughs> people all ask for like word counts and stuff. And I'm like, that's the nice thing is like with a digital magazine, we literally have infinite pages. We don't have to worry about paying per page. We don't have to worry about print. We don't have to worry about the cost going up because we have more pages. Like, so I tell people as long as it's not like 20 pages long, I don't really care. Um, Cause we can take shorter articles. We get one page articles and we'll turn it into three pages in the magazine just because we, I like to keep it a little more visual and have more pictures and stuff like that and kind of fill it out and really pretty it up. Um, but we have had some long articles and you know, it's no big deal, whatever. Like I said, if people are going to read it, they're going to read it. If not, they'll just, they'll find something else in there. They like. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like when, when you sent me the link, I was like, how long is this supposed to be? I don't know if I'm supposed to, totally pontificate on everything and do everything but i don't know why you're laughing at me for you your use of pontificate but wasn't it a good one yeah it was perfect that's a really good you're one welcome everyone listening you're welcome that's a good one it's always fun on hooked on phonics <laughs> so do you guys and this is something that i guess i don't think i've really know the answer for either of you guys Starting with Billy, do you guys want to be full-time eventually? Or are you going to be permanent hobbyist, I guess, in quotes? Well, Billy saves lives, so he shouldn't stop saving lives. <laughs> <laughs> Talking um, about, like, breeding? Uh, not necessarily, just reptiles in general, however the oh, hell. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, just however the hell you can make this thing work. Yeah. It can work. I got you. I, uh, I want to always enjoy it. You know, I feel like a lot of the full-time guys, I listened to your guys' Tinley episode and you were talking about how the serious guys were, you know, like you have to make this much money and, you know, the, the whole weekend's a disaster if you don't meet this quota or whatever. I never want to look at my snakes like that. You know, we're, we're doing the magazine. We're doing a free magazine. So obviously we're not seeing dollar signs. We just want to put out content. And just like Justin said, we want to leave the hobby better than we found it. You know, I feel like if I can do that, I'm just as happy staying a hobbyist. I thought on it. Agreed. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I pretty much approach everything relating to the hobby, whether it's breeding or, um, you know, the magazine. Like, let it, and I, uh, it, I just let it take me wherever it's wherever <clears throat> it's going to take me. And this was a conversation we had last night on THP with with Chris at Badlands for Pediculture. You know. If you go into all these things with no expectations, um, it makes everything so much easier. You know, if you, if you, cause if you go in, you know, even a breeding season or something with animals, like if I go in with pairing conjures and I'm like, man, I'm going to get this many babies, it's going to be awesome. I'm a firm believer of announcing your plans is a good way to make God laugh. <clears throat> and so I don't, Absolutely. I just, I like to go in, I like to go into everything with just like, I don't know what's going to happen. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, on to the next, you know, whatever. There's always next year. There's always next month. There's always next week. There's always tomorrow, whatever. You know, I just, I don't like to dwell on things too much. 
except for me and Billy's night in the tent at Carpet Fest. On the that slant. Will, that will. That on the, on the slant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so who? Yeah. Okay. Did it get cold at all? Did you have to cuddle for warmth or? No, we stayed separated. It was just, didn't really think about where we were putting the tent. We just wanted to put it up so we could go hang out with people. And uh, we put it like it, on this slope. It was on a grade. Yeah. So we so were like, you had falling to, out and stuff. You yeah. had to be perpendicular to the grade. Otherwise, you'd roll. <laughs> <laughs> so are you guys tent partners for life now? Or did you buy your own this year? <laughs> he better come to Carpet Fest so I have a place to sleep. Oh, it was Justin's tent. Uh, yeah, well, no, we got rid of that oh, tent. That tent was a freaking nightmare. So we ditched that tent. That tent is in the trash now. So who's It was that? like the worst design ever. Like there was this giant spiral thing in the middle with a huge spring. And you were supposed to just like press a button and it was supposed to just pop up. And it didn't. And it took me and Billy and Jake like an hour to get this bitch <laughs> set up. And then to break it down, it wouldn't fit back in the bag. And so it just... I it brought it back experience. to my parents' house. It was my dad's tent. I brought it back to him. He's like, this thing's horrible. I was like, yeah. He threw it away. Like, Are tents ever as easy as the movies make it look? I feel like everyone struggles for a little bit. There's always like that guy who is a Boy Scout that you go camping with, and he fucking clears the leaves out, and he just pops it up <laughs> like no one's business, and he folds it all back perfect, and you're like, you fucking dweeb. <laughs> yeah. No one else you can sure. do that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that wasn't us. That definitely wasn't us. <laughs> <laughs> Cox said, I can't quit you, Billy. <laughs> I wish I could quit you. <laughs> oh, but so nothing Billy, weird happened, just so everyone knows. Oh, plenty of weird things weird happened. Weird things uh, happened. Nothing, nothing happened. Carpet Fest is you went the to definition a of party. weird thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nothing between me and Billy. It's not like <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> There was stuff that happened, but it wasn't with me and Justin. Yeah, and you're just... Jake had a good time. <laughs> Jake had a very good time. <laughs> well, every, everyone in the county of Melrose, Florida knows Jake had a good time. I feel bad <laughs> asking without Jake having representation here. <laughs> this will be but... after. We'll definitely get a message, Jake. After Although this. I feel like with Justin here, Jake was going to like pop up somewhere in the background, <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that he's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's in the corner. Somewhere. I, I, I was so busy today. I didn't. I forgot to tell him that this was even happening. So, ouch! I didn't tell him either. Are you leaving, Jake? I actually talked Billy? to him all day. No, yeah, that is the real question. Dream yeah, team. How are you going to balance your time between Billy and Jake now? I'm making it happen. <laughs> you make time for the people you love. <laughs> he just fits me and Jake in. It's really the Conjure cast that he cares about. <laughs> yeah, the, the podcast I haven't done an episode on in like two months. <laughs> I knew from day one that was going to be the one that was going to get sidelined if anything came up. And I was like, that's the one that's going to get tucked. Yeah, I think, you know, it's we've had by yourself. We, and we've also had those bursts of inspiration through the podcast. And then you sprint and then you realize that you can't sprint forever. Yeah, like right now, I'm like, mm, we got one more set. We need one more, a, set? one more podcast out. We need to message a bunch of people and decide like what direction we're going. You guys actually have a plan when you do yours? Me and Jake are just like, message this person, see if we'll come on. Okay, cool. 
What time? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we go do it ahead like, of time. We go through like phases. We're like, okay, let's get a bunch of like field herpers. And like, oh, wait, no, like, let's go back to some hobbyists. And then, oh, wait, let's get some like people related to education. You know, like we kind of yeah. go in and, in and out of that. We don't have, we don't have a lane. Which is probably not what you're supposed to do. No, I think it's it good to keep it different. I think it's good yeah, for. Yeah, we try to mix it up. You know, we. It's 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 tough. Uh, we're to, like it'll be like a Tuesday. We record on Thursdays, and we'll be like, "Do we have anybody this week?" And Jake's like, "No." And then okay. Billy comes on. What do we want to do? Yeah, yeah <laughs> Billy's our designated hitter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We definitely so, have that. Riley's been her person a lot. <laughs> Riley, <laughs> a lot Evan, yeah. Ryan Cox, a bunch of different people. So, I mean, we, but we've never had Billy on. So I guess just give a short overview of what you work with, Billy, because there's a shit ton of animals right behind you. Uh, Yeah, on the one wall. Uh, so I work with carpets primarily. Uh, then I have green trees. Uh, I'm big into maclots now. <laughs> maclots. Sorry. Maclets. No, no, the first one was appropriate. Macklets. Yeah, there we go. Um, besides that, I have some Antaresia stuff that I'm dabbling in. Um, and then Old World Rat Snakes, Beauty Snakes. Uh, I got Chinese Beauties. We talked about those in Tinley. Mm-hmm. I was trying to sell you on them, but like <laughs> you weren't having it. Uh, <laughs> no part. Radiated Rats. I completely K-Gol forgot that we went to Tinley. It was awesome, man. It was a good time. Uh, I'm actually yeah, about to get so many of those uh, feeder cheats, you know? Or not? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody had some. <laughs> Things uh, are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Justin's following us everywhere. And, you know, Ian saw it and he was like, or no, who was yeah, it? was Ian, Ian, right? He's like, this looks familiar. Uh, and I was uh, like, yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's your thing. Yeah, I guess he had that design for his feeding cards. Yeah, that was originally made by like some friend of John Irby, and then I got them from Luke, and then I was like, you know what? These are so cool. Like, let's just ghost a THP logo on them and give them out. Like, I didn't oh, so sell even them or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, they're great. Like, I love that card stock. They're perfect. Like, I get them wet all the time, and they, they hold up. You know, they're just handy. It was an old green tree hand me down from Luke Myers. There it is. Hey, that's the one from the green tree I sent you, right? Yeah. So yeah. do you hand wipe out all of your feeding for every animal? Me? Yeah. No, absolutely uh, not. You see how many snakes I have? Well, you pulled, <laughs> you pulled no up way. the paper like you did it, and I was like, there's no No, it's because he got the animal from Justin. Look, it's all Justin. I did, yeah, I haven't I got serial killer handwriting. Hasn't stopped since, or hasn't yeah. started since you got it. My handwriting hasn't changed since the fifth grade, dude. <laughs> and what were those abbreviations? Oh, no. Like AFMT. Do you even know? Did I even tell you what those are? AFMT no. is a speed mouse tail. LP is a live pinky. Uh, the plus F-F-T. C, when I score the pinky, like that article you posted forever ago on cutting pinkies for growth. That plus C is when I cut a pinky. Um, what else we got in there? Shed means it's shed. Um, in case anybody Probably. was wondering. But AFMT is when I assist fed mouse tail. So you can see I had a hell of a time with those uh, those little bastards for the first like. Problem months. child. <laughs> I like the problem child written on there. Yeah, that's why his survived and my clutch didn't. 
Yeah, because you get you went through all the fucking steps. So you, and that was your your green tree clutch that you just had. Uh, no, this is a few years ago. Oh, okay. But he has those Jag Pondros. Yeah, those are a lot better. Yeah, not surprising. You were telling me at Tinley that you you went opposite, right? You went carpet male with green tree female. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's a carpet female because people are worried that the male carpet is going to make big eggs come out of the green tree female, which is kind of ridiculous because it's people, man. (laughs) 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 They think the green tree is going to produce big carpet eggs and they're not going to produce eggs that they already have. You know, they're going to produce anyway, but uh, there was no issues. They were the size of green trees when they came out. But. Or at the very at the very least, I mean, you would want to avoid the more vulnerable species, which is like the green green tree eggs are typically harder to incubate than carpet eggs, and then also s- tiny little carpets or tiny little green trees I, are probably harder. I honestly think people kind of talk it on how delicate they think green trees are and the eggs and everything. I go through. I think it was, was it the first show I did with you, Justin? I went through the story of those and how I screwed the eggs up a whole bunch. Yeah. And they all still hatched. Uh, I think, too, me being here in Florida, my natural climate is perfect for green trees. If it's someone that's like, you know, up north or in the Midwest or something, they have to worry about things I never have to worry about. Uh, I don't worry about humidity. I don't worry about, you know, I keep my green trees at, my ambient temp in my room and I've done that for five, six years now. And my females produce two viable clutches for me. She maternally incubated the first one. So I really don't think they're as delicate as people make them out to be. I think people screw with them too much. And if you screw with something too much, it's going to, you know, you keep poking your finger at it. It's going to stress it out and then bad things happen. That's my little spiel anyway. Were you both of those pairings with carpet pythons? No, the first one was three. And I got 17 eggs, uh, 14 hatched, three died full term in the egg, and I couldn't get any of them to eat. I, I didn't know. And when I reached out to certain people, they were just like, oh, just keep trying, man. They wouldn't tell me any tips or anything. <laughs> so... Or they're like, hey, you can send them to me and I'll get them eating and I'll take half the clutch. I'm like, you know, screw off, man. I'm not doing that. Wow. I had someone offer that to me. They're like, oh, they're not eating for you? Send the whole clutch to me and then I'll keep half and send you half of yours back. No, thanks. That's not a good deal. I'll extend that deal to anyone listening. Just send me half of your or all of your babies. I'll get them eating and then I'll keep half of them. Sound like when I was still like, I guess you could say new on the scene. I guess. So I guess, you know, they're just thinking, oh, I could just get some free snakes from him. You know, he doesn't know any better. Like, no, no, I'm not doing that. But. There are, I mean, in green trees, especially there are, uh, there's, there's not, it's not uncommon to have somebody kind of not necessarily poach like the new first time breeders, but they definitely are like, yeah, you know, send them to me. I'll, I'll get a squared away. No problem. I had carpet guys do that to me too. Oh, really? Apparently, I just look like I'm going to give people whole clutches of snakes. You just have kind eyes. That's all. Nice. 
I have kind eyes. Yeah. They just look so innocent and sad. You know, they're like, man, this guy can't get a snake's eating. I should take ha- all of them and keep half. <laughs> That'll make him happy. Let's do that. <laughs> I know what will make you feel better. Let me rip you off. Yeah. But that's crazy. Did that steer you away from doing your second pair in green shit green tea, or were you just getting funky with it? Oh, uh, that's actually <laughs> that's really funny. I was actually gun shy on trying it again. So I just threw a carpet in there and <laughs> that happened. I'll make this easier on myself. Let me put an animal in there that's not gonna be a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah but uh and it I'm seems fine. like that strategy worked though, didn't it? I did everything possible wrong with that whole situation. <laughs> and uh yeah, Justin knows. I did everything wrong and I still got babies to hatch. Like if it's I a ever yeah, if I ever do something like that with a clutch again, I'll, they'll never hatch. It was just, uh, I was stupid. I just got really lucky. What is, I guess we'll start with Justin. Um, what is your general collection size like? Somewhere around 40, I think. I don't even count anymore. I don't know. I know that it's a lot to move because I moved it all today. It wasn't until I moved that I was like, God, I have so much stuff. Yeah. And how was, well, I guess we'll go to Billy and then I want to pontificate about your new snake. Okay. Oh, so- we hit it again. Pontificate. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. That's my new word. Change I up. Like it. I like it. Say Use it, it every sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, can Billy, can you wow. pontificate about your collection size? <laughs> Make sure you pontificate. I'm going to assume that means tell you how many snakes I have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, including babies. Are we including nah, babies? No one counts those, right? No one counts babies then. He's <laughs> got a lot. I've seen it. He's got an awesome room. With I'm probably stuff. around 75 or so. Okay. I'm definitely over a hundred with babies. Yeah. yeah I've, I went a little crazy the past couple of years. So what was your first? Like, what did you start with? Just the carpets? Uh, my very first snake was actually a cow king. I was scared of snakes when I got my first snake. Terrible experience. Uh-oh. Uh, One of the yeah, it, was, it was a cow king, and I wasn't ready for it. And uh, a couple years later, I ended up getting an IJ, or Pop One carpet. And uh, that was a really good experience, and obviously, you see what happened. <laughs> Now I have a whole room full of them, but I want everything. That's my problem. I I can't like be happy with what I have. I always want something else. So at it's some point I'll hit a feeling. That's the problem. There's always something else, you know. Well, like uh, this weekend, I'm vending with, uh, or I'm going to have Jason Hood next to me again, and you guessed it, I'm going to get a pair of those bird eating snakes. Because those things are just awesome, you know. So I just can't stop. I have a problem. We uh, got to. Oh wait, no, we did it. I was about to say we got to experience that this weekend, but that was it. No, no. Was that uh, what was the one that was hiding? The egg eater. Yeah, oh. yeah, it's a totally different snake. But <laughs> never mind. Egg eaters were really fun though. Like those crazy colored snakes that Jason had at his table. Yeah, the Pasilla noticed he had the adults in the uh in the tower. I already forgot. 
um, you know, just put in Pill and Notice or whatever the hell Billy yeah, just said in the Google. Pill and Notice. Piss a Lotus. Piss a Lotus. Pontiff and Notice. Pontiff and notice. Pontiff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can probably put, yeah, no, that's not working okay. at all. Cool. Birding Neo, Neotropical bird eating snake. Neotropical bird eating snake. So, I mean, that is a a big semi-arboreal species, right? Or is it completely arboreal? Uh, they're they're mostly arboreal, but they they'll do everything. Probably could say semi-arboreal. Yeah, I think they're a lot like Boiga. You know, they'll if you give them yeah. the space, they'll use it. I don't know. Yeah. Every every single picture I have or that we're pulling up on Google is like in straight up defense posture, about to leap at your face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're actually the so the ones that Jason has, they they're a few generations captive bred. And uh they're they're actually really chill. They're just a little cage defensive, but I was handling the adults and the babies and they didn't puff up or anything. But uh, those are like the, those aren't the pretty ones. They come in a lot of different colors. They're one of the most variable snakes out there. (laughs) uh, It's showing me all the same ones. They go through like four different color changes. Oh, shit. Babies, they look like eyelash vipers, you know, like the brown phase. And then. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that. Yeah, they're perfect mimics as far as that. And then what they end up doing is they change three or four times in their lifetime. But uh, what I want to do is I want to take pictures of them every month and kind of track the change that they go through. Nobody's ever done that. We were talking about that on the drive back from Tinley. And uh, I think it'd be a cool project to just have and see if there's any markers or anything that, you know, this color will come if this happens or whatever. Yeah, it must be one of those animals where you don't know exactly what you're getting into when you get the baby as far as they don't have much coloration as babies. And then they. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you can see what the parents are and stuff, but I think they're very similar in that aspect to Amazon tree boas. Like you said, you don't know what you're going to get pretty much. And they're always changing. Like I saw some of his adults. Some of the ones that were solid red, as they got older, like they started getting yellow or gray in the red. You know, like they're just always changing. So definitely a different snake you don't see all the time. So I'm excited to work with them. Yeah. Do they eat rodents readily? Yeah. Um, you kind of have to tease feed them to get them going. But once they get going, they're, they're animals. They don't stop. Yeah. And what else as far as, well, I wanted to ask Justin a question. Well, I want to ask Justin, since you started the podcast, how much has your collection grown? Uh, I mean, not that much. I, okay. I'm focused on chondros mostly, but I have the beards. I have the brettles. Um, I stole from my dad's alterna. Beards king of the South. Baird eye king of the South. It. I love Bairds, man. Like yeah. no one knows what they're missing out on. Yeah, People see them at shows. 
they see them on tables. They're just little gray rat snakes. People are like, oh, it's just a gray rat snake, whatever. I know what the secret is. So anytime <laughs> I see them at a show, I snatch those suckers up because they're cheap and they're easy and they're fun. And then they grow up to be awesome. And everyone's like, wow, what is that? And I'm like, it's a bear rat snake. I've never heard of that. And I'm like, how? They're awesome. No one's doing anything with them. And I don't know why, because they're freaking sweet. Because if you bring a a dozen babies to a show, you'll sell zero of them. I think that's the issue is that no Good. one or for no me, one, no one can trust the fact that it's going to turn into a beautiful animal. Yeah, I, I bring one of those. I bring those Loma Altas. I guarantee you, they start selling. I just don't like them as babies. It's the same way with Japanese rat snakes. They're the same way. Yeah, yeah. Those aren't all that attractive as as youngsters. Then again, I mean, you have somewhat. You have that somewhat in. In carpets as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Nobody wanted my jungles when they were hatchlings. Absolutely nobody. Then they started coloring up and people were like, oh, I didn't see those last year. I'm like, they were there. But they don't yeah. trust you that they're going to turn into whatever. Yeah, that's uh, that's what kind of sucks. I mean, those ball python people got to made as far as they come out looking as good as yeah. they ever do. But to me, I love that though. I love species, you know. That's one of my the main appeals for me for chondros is no leak. Even the best guys that have been in chondros for thirty years don't can't tell you what a baby is going to look like as an adult. But I think like, chondros is easier because they still come out gorgeous, right? I mean, but the playing field's completely level. Like no one has any sort of like. There's not some secret formula where, like, with ball pythons, where they're like, okay, I know if I pair this with this, I'm going to get this. Like with these, it's like you compare two. N- normal average looking green trees there's no such thing as an ugly green tree but you compare two completely normal chondros and get something awesome you compare two really high-end nice designer animals and get nothing that's great you know so it's just i don't know i i kind of like that and i like that about bairds too you know that you can one of the bairds that i got at the daytona um from travis wisely just, you know that one's already starting to color up and looking really good i had a few that i bought from fleming reptiles and one of those has gone like the complete opposite direction that I thought I was going to, and it's looking awesome, you know. So I just I love watching the change, and I like buying them young when I have no idea what they're going to turn out to be, and seeing what happens. I just I, I enjoy that. I like not knowing. <clears throat> yeah, I saw you post that animal not too long ago on uh, Instagram. It may, it may have been just a couple of days ago that bear die that you posted, and uh, yeah, man, they're coloring up and. It will be awesome to see. I mean, obviously, you got oranges coming in on that animal. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to be messing with one of the metallic black ones or gray ones. And bears so. too. Brettles, to an extent, are kind of the same way. Like, I really like dark, high black ba- uh, brettles. You know, and I kind of like not knowing where they're going to go either. So, I don't, I don't I think the good thing with messing with animals that start out dull and then they turn into attractive adults is that you end up getting people that they're going to buy from you that know what they're getting into. You know, you're not, <clears throat> people aren't going to do an impulse buy yes. on one of those, you know? That's for so sure. That's a plus in my book. Yeah, but what's the percentage of those people <laughs> that are out there at shows doing that? It's the, the gamble you take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you have the internet, so. Because that's what's second. As many people as, or as many animals as we think are really cool, like we can bring a pair of gray rats to a show and zero people care at all, which I understand. It's a gray snake, but it's like, oh yeah, this is why people aren't working with them enough is 
simply because there's just not much demand for them. But still, but they're still I, pretty animals. Like the white oaks, yeah. or what, what is it? The white oaks. I really mm-hmm. like those a lot. You know, I, I appreciate natural. That's one of the reasons I love brettles so much. Is like naturally, brettles are gorgeous snakes. So you don't need morphs. You know, wild caught corns like natural, just Abbott line Okatees. Like I'll take that over any morph any day. Um, I just we don't appreciate normalcy really with with some stuff anymore. And, when I was in Daytona, I I brought my female adult Japanese rat snake, and I was like, ah, if I sell enough, I'll put her on the table, you know, whatever. I pulled her out of the bag. I did. She didn't even touch my table. Someone was just at the table, saw her, scooped her up right away. Wow! I didn't that. Even her. Yeah, it was literally five minutes, and she was gone. I was boxing her up, and that was it. <laughs> but. If, but there's tons of babies everywhere, but nobody wanted them because they're, you know, they're not that green and blue that they usually are as adults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I appreciate the the stuff that's kind of off the beaten path that people just don't appreciate enough, like Bairds. You know, it's. I think we're kind of on the cusp of of the hobby diversifying more, and people are kind of not necessarily jumping ship on balls because they'll never go away. But I think people are now kind of starting to be like, hey, there's other species in this hobby that are really cool. I'm going to start looking into them. Look at all the large colubrids that have gained popularity in mm-hmm. the last few years. You know, most people had no idea those were even, you know, snakes until a few years ago. So, yeah, I mean, going in the right direction. to like a black milk snake now. I mean, people love black milk snakes. They're like things that people didn't give two shits about not too long ago. So it's really nice, nice to see that happening. And also, I feel like it's, we have a bunch of people who I know Justin through the podcast, like we have more content talking about these species and therefore it's almost like we're trying to get people to like our snakes that no one else likes because we're into cool, weird things, but we well, want to expose people. Yeah. That's how you expose people. So they actually know they're even out that's there. That's the whole point, you know, talking about bears all the time. I've had a few people on Instagram message me. They're like, I never kept bears and then you started talking about them and I got some and now I love them. Like they're great snakes. And that's like, I'm not trying to convert anybody, but it's like, Hey, this is a species. Not a lot of people are doing anything with that. I think deserve attention and you should look into because they're awesome for these reasons. And <clears throat> it's nice to know that there's people out there that are actually giving stuff a shot, you know, and kind of expanding. And, and, and I think it's just always, there's always so much more to learn with snakes i mean i'm definitely still on the like bare minimum of my knowledge but like even things no even things i thought i knew about like um over the weekend we stopped at our friend travis weinman's house and we were talking about blackheads which i'm like i always still tell people how much i love blackheads i'm like i want one and i felt like oh like I kind of know my stuff about it. And then I learned there was two types of blackheads that I'd never heard of. Oh, you didn't even know Eastern and Western? Even, or you talking or about the, the, the tiger. Yeah. The tiger. I'd never even heard of the tiger blackhead. I'd never seen it on anyone's table or anyone's Instagram. Like, didn't really know it was a thing. And it's like, oh, wait, do I like that? It's, there's always, even when you know, you think you know about this one specific There's type some of line snake, of the snake. There's some that other one know. that you don't even know about. In the tiger blackheads are completely different billy's yep. peterson coastals are, are a prime example of that i didn't even know that was a thing until i saw his uh, what are no one ones? knows what peterson coastals are <laughs> Billy's got a few of them and they're awesome let's go Billy, explain that yeah the peterson stuff all right so 
I really like striped snakes. He has um, a problem. He, he really does. He's got a problem. Yeah, every subspecies I have, I have some type of stripe project going on. Uh, so the Peterson stripe stuff, there was a breeder maybe 15 years ago or so. Uh, Shea Peterson was his name. He got a pair of animals from Dam O'Leary, uh, DM Exotics, before he started importing as much as he does today. And uh, he basically just selectively bred these striped coastals until he got a look that, you know, he kept reproducing. So it was pretty much, as far as striped coastals go, you had your Balin tigers, your Russian tigers, and your Peterson striped animals. And they were all different from each other. Well, Shay got out of it. And I just randomly, I ended up buying a female from him because honestly, it was cheaper than the Balin tigers I liked. And I, you know, able to drop that kind of money. But when he got out of it, he reached out to me. And he's like, hey, I have this adult male. Do you want him too? Because I bought a female before. Little did I know when he got out of it, it ended up just being me and Eric Burke that had adult pairs of this line. So I bred them in 2018, 14 eggs, 10 died, and uh, I ended up with four babies. And they're two pairs, so I got lucky. So mm -hmm. I'm raising those up right now. And uh, I'm just really excited. It's a real old school line that nobody sees anymore. And like I have them paired up right now. I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping it goes well. Because uh, I just want to be able to put them out there more and you know, a lot of people don't even realize what they are. Like Justin was saying, they're really cool animals, you know? And I have one that's his uh, dorsal stripe is super clean, you know, no speckling or anything. And I have another one that has a lot of speckling. Different routes I can go with that. You know, if I want to go clean or speckled or go both routes, who knows? But it's definitely a project I'm excited to have. And it's cool seeing people get excited about them. It's like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. It's like, yeah, they are, you know? A lot of yeah, guys don't know I, the history. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about him or even known about him until we came to your house and saw him. Yeah, Jake saw him in Daytona, and he he really liked them. They're cool. And is that line? I mean, obviously you only have two visuals, but do you know if it's line bred or is it passed on genetically? It's polygenic. It's just like all striping in carpets. Uh, it's not incomplete dominant. It's not recessive. Uh, you have to breed more stripes to more stripes to get better stripes. There's no uh, inheritance, you know, per se. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that was a bad way to say it because genes obviously still play a role because the mom and the dad are breeding together. But um, yeah, you know, like incomplete. Dominant. Yeah, it's not like an albino or it's not like striping and bread lie. You know, it's not recessive or anything. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many lines like that in Carvers in particular, man, it's so it's will make your head spin. Yeah, all the jungle lines that are all the same, all come from the same animals. <laughs> yeah, I always laugh at that. It's yeah. crazy how how far carpets have come, though, just in the morphs and stuff. You know, watching them over the years just explode has just been really interesting. But it's what's even better is being still holding on to the line. <laughs> yeah, well, it's even better seeing people interest in the wild type stuff again mm -hmm. like just look at ijs yeah ijs are they're blowing up people are finally starting to realize trash carpet not anymore man everyone's for nothing everyone's like yeah. whatever it's an ij they're ugly now they're like 
it's insane how many people are focusing on those now. Well, when I first kind of learned about carpet pythons, IJs were hot, and then they were definitely not, and then what they're you, not again. So it's like, hey Joe, what did you call them in Tinley when you were talking to me? Oh, crappets. <laughs> Dirt snakes? <laughs> Crafted dirt snakes? Yeah. Now, IJs, IJs, I think, have the most potential as far as you can get reds, yellows. So much variation, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of subtle variation for like someone who is into the finer things in life. You're, you're carpet snobs. You're, you guys have such an eye for detail that most people wouldn't appreciate in comparison to so many different things. That's like, cause you guys have so many different looks and so many different lines and things like that. And like just talking, you know, to someone like Eric and seeing his collection, you can't help, but at least respect how much you guys enjoy what is seemingly so subtle to everyone else. You know, it's an IJ carpet, but you guys see so much more, more than that. All of our dinker projects. <laughs> yeah, that, the thing is, like yeah. people, people are going all different directions with IJs too. Because you'll see, you know, I love the animals that Jake's putting out. I mean, that clutch that he had this year just had some amazing animals. And then there's some people who has that like ocelot thing. There's some. Oh, it was you, right? You showed me a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, that's me, Joe. Are we? Are we not supposed to? Are we not supposed to talk about that? No, it's fine. Like I, I don't even know anything about this. What is it? What do you got? You, what do you got? Cooked? You saw him. You saw. Him. I'll have to send you guys the picture. He just Wait, he's a stripe. Yeah, you saw him in person. He was one of the ones that was paired up with a female. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember now. Yeah. So, seeing how he turns out, seeing if he because he wasn't a good breeder for me last year, so hopefully this year he changes that up. But. <laughs> I could probably do three or four projects off of him, depending on what he passes on to his offspring. You know, so time will tell. Has he had a clutch yet? No, not yet. He's uh, he's three or four now, so he's right at at breeding. He's a mouser, so he's smaller. Of course, the cool, pretty ones are going to be mousers. Yeah, that's but, how it works. Yeah, I am excited to see what Jake does though in the next couple years. You know, especially this next season, just. He really knocked it out of the park with that that first batch. I really I'm anxious to see what else he what else he does. You know, he's got some really nice animals. Yeah, that, yeah. That he gave me the all uh, about the striped ones. Yeah, he gave me the striped one from that clutch, and I'm I'm really excited about her. She's gonna do. I've some got good a pair things. now myself too, right, Billy? <sighs> not on air, Justin. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that on air. <laughs> Secret secrets are no fun. <laughs> No, but Riley did send me a little male hatchling. He's like, this thing won't eat if you're willing to give it a shot. You know, have at it. And I got it. It ate within like four hours of being here. <laughs> no hesitation. I was like, dude, you told me the thing was defective and it's fine. Riley's like, son of a bitch. <clears throat> well, now you got to keep half of it and give him the other half. That's how this works. <laughs> I've got a yeah. female that's, that's that came from Brian Fisher that was an import and I like it so much, but I also told Billy that he could have her, but she's awesome. So I don't, I don't know. I have a male that is perfect for this female (laughs) and like absolutely perfect. It could be, yeah, but he has a male now. So we'll see how that goes. 
I did like the Indian giver thing where I was like, yeah, Billy, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have any need for her. And then I like got her and I was like, oh man, she's really nice. She's really mellow. She's That's really an expression cool. I don't know. Well, I feel like I should look it up. What? The Indian giver thing. Oh, you never heard that before? No. Yeah, that's a it's thing. Probably not, it's probably Native not PC name anymore. Native American yeah. giver, sir. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. And it's like when you give something tell you. You give it back, right? That's what I assume. When you tell your buddy he can have this carpet python, and then you say, like, I actually think I'm going to keep it. Okay. So that's now cool. I'm going to have to give my mail to Justin so that the pairing happens some way. Yeah, I mean, it would be... It would be a waste of a female if you don't have a perfect male companion. She's still her. small. She's still young. She's got another like two years before she'll even be ready. So, oh, so you guys are planning out way too ahead. Yeah. Billy's getting ahead of himself. <laughs> I have pairings planned out for the next like two, three years. Wow. Yeah. I'm constantly thinking about this stuff. And you guys must be pairing now, Python guys. I am. Not me. Close to it. Not I've yet. already had locks, multiple locks. Jeez. Is that just your, I guess, all you have Python-wise, really, carpets, Antaresia, or are Antaresia up to size? I have <laughs> one pair. I have uh, one pair that I'm pairing up. I have a granite spotted female and a striped male that I'm, uh, I put together to see. They're all first-time breeders, so we'll see what happens. Nice. Justin, now that you're in the new place, like, are you going to do things different? Kind of keep it the same? Well, pretty much business as usual. Uh, I got that male chondro from Evan last week. Uh, really excited about that one because I, I sent out for a, to get him tested and stuff, and he's in quarantine right now. But if he clears everything, he's going to go in with my big girl probably come, I think his 90 days will be up mid-January maybe. So I'm really anxious to see. I'm gonna try and put some size on them too between now and then. Get them because that big that that female is pretty big, and I'm kind of mortified that if she gets excited and thinks he sees food and she bites him, that there's gonna be some pretty serious damage. So I'm trying to get him prepped and ready because that'll be a really interesting pairing. He's it's I've had my eye on that that male from Evan for months. Like that's literally including all the designer stuff that's out there like that snake even though it's undocumented is one of my favorite green trees that's been in collections and i was amazed no one had bought it yet because he's like dude no one wants it i'm like they're out of their minds so when i hit him up and he still had it for sale like he had just posted it again on instagram i messaged him i was like i want it like it hasn't sold yet so that's a sign that i'm supposed to have it <clears throat> is that still is changing or is that complete no i think he's i mean he's three years old so Cause that's a killer. Sure, that has yeah. a shit ton of yellow and blue. Like I feel like yeah. I never really see a lot of high yellows with blue. He's really but... wild, man. I love it. So Evan, he's what gonna, the hell he's are you gonna thinking? get here all the time. <laughs> Sick. So um, do you have other green tree pairings going on this season? Or? No, that that big female is the only one that's ready. I have another small uh, biak girl, but she she won't be ready for probably another two years if i had to guess and then i have all the small stuff that i'm growing up that'll be ready in the next four but oh the slow game of <laughs> no but that's the way i like it like i i i want to take my yeah, time doing slow. these things i don't i like taking the the slow boat um you know i tell people all the time like i have the rest of my life to do this i'm in no hurry whatsoever 
when it happens, it happens. Um, just got to enjoy it. You know, you can't be in a rush to make more and, you know, I feel like with social media, a lot of people are, they want to pair and they want to breed, you know, cause everyone else is doing it. And it's like, I don't, it sucks seeing everyone else pairing their snakes because it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to pair again. Like I'm anxious to, to do it again for the second time and do better than I did the first time. But at the same time, it's like I'm not going to rush it. You know, it's just when you rush, I think you you you're setting yourself up for some some frustration. Yeah, especially and- contrary. Yeah, we're just getting ready to put everyone to sleep. I'm already excited Wherever. again for next year. It's like, wait. We just finished last year, and we're already talking about brumation and everything. It's great. It all comes together, man. There's not really an off season like there is. There is when you, but if you produce enough, that's what I say. If you produce enough, there's not as much of an off season. I feel like you know we're probably pretty similar to the size that Billy's at right now, and I'm sure he, you know, that's kind of a big. Once you go like a hundred plus animals, even. 40 animals i mean it's 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 such a different game than just a couple i don't think we're at 100 plus with we're not when when i can't talk when we subtract babies we're not yeah no but babies are a lot of our efforts (laughs) yeah so billy are you or how many pairings you got going this year Oof, i can potentially do 16 good god i'm not gonna do that many (laughs) Because that's just a lot of babies. Um, probably realistically going to do seven or eight, maybe nine. You know, depends on how things go and how many locks I see and interest and stuff. You know, see, my new strategy is I'm going to have two like hatchling racks, and I'm only going to produce what can fill those up. I'm not going to do any more. Ooh. Well, make me a little more picky and choosy about what I pair that year because I don't want to pair the same things every year. Like I'm going to pair the bears, my adult pair of bears, for the first time come spring, and we pair those green trees. And I'm not going to have anything else ready because the bread will still have a couple years to go. My hog noses probably have another year, at least the female does. And then my corns, I don't even. I have two female corns. I've built the locally wild caught um, Beaufort locality. Um, I have another one. I haven't sexed it yet that we got a couple of weeks ago that was found under the house. Um, hopefully that's a male. <laughs> like, I hope it's a male. For... Like... Hey, you see that? <laughs> that's nice when you can just pick them off uh, under your house. Yeah. So stuff in the works. It'll just be a while before I'm kind of at full, full, full speed ahead, you know, but yeah, for the time that's being. Enough. Justin has a lot more willpower than I do. It's hard. I learned that lesson with Cresteds because my last year breeding Cresteds, I was like, I'm only going to breed like two pairs. I don't want to go crazy. I ended up pairing like everything. And then I ended up paying for it because I had so many babies. I was like, this was a horrible idea. Yeah, I think we all all find our limit eventually. And that's one of those things like people will tell you all the time, don't pair too much because you're going to get stuck with babies. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it anyways. It's until like you learn that firsthand that you realize like, yeah, that's a that's that's a bad. Talk idea. to me in a year, and then I'll tell you how bad of an idea it was. <laughs> <laughs> how many did you pair last year? I paired. I did five pairings, and three went. Yeah, so, I mean that's not bad. That's and I like cresteds are going to be completely different from snakes, obviously, because um, cresteds require 
feeding much more regularly than snakes do. But at the same time, you know, space is limited. Got to kind of pick and choose your battles. And, you know. yeah. I, I like kind of doing like, okay, I'm only going to pair these bears this year and then they're going to be, they won't be available again until the following year. You know, it kind of, I don't know. I just, I like changing it up. I like taking my time. Yeah. It's, that's a healthy mindset to have, but I'm ashamed to say that I don't think I have it. Um, I just like, I don't know. I like to give everything a go. Um, not, not every single season, but I don't know. I, I'd have a hard time restraining myself. Oh, there's no way. <laughs> no. We're already like, oh, if we're not going to breed it. What are we doing with it? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I feel like a lot of the hobbies at now, like people, and I, I fall for like I fall into this, you know, this category. I think everybody does. You know, it's like, wait, you only have one. You're not going to breed it. Like it just exists. <clears throat> like you just have it. Like it's now weird to just have a collection and enjoy them like, as pets. Yeah, but I I enjoy them so much. I want them to reproduce. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to make more. And... I want them to. Yeah, I want them to show me. Right well, now, <laughs> it's just I think we're at we're at a point in some projects where it's like you know you want you really want to further the project and all that thing. I guess it's one thing if like you asked me about the Eastern Black King snakes, and I was like, you know, there's not really a project direction with that. You're gonna get wild right. type black snakes, so like that's why I probably wouldn't feel bad, you know, skipping a year on that. But some yeah. of those animals that have you know, so many four different hats that I've been trying to make for, you know, four years, then yeah, for those I'm, I'm getting impatient. And that's pretty much what the Western hogs are for me. Cause I just have a pair of normals. Like I don't see normal Western hogs available anywhere. And when I do, they're like a hundred bucks. I'm like, there was someone at the Columbia show two years ago, selling babies for 30 bucks a piece. And they flew. Yeah. It was like, no one's breeding normal hogs, like normal Western hogs. Not everybody wants, you know, a $300 Arctic or whatever the hell they are. Like, I don't even keep up with horse. You know, some people just want a normal Western hog. And so I just want to produce normal Western hogs. That's a simple project. It's easy to do. It's just something to do on the side. And it's the same with the corn snakes. You know, that's just a there's little side a, There's a really expensive project in Hognose called Sable. I'm sure you've probably seen yeah, it. Yeah, I've it seen just, cool. It just like makes it, it uglier. So it's I, worth I don't like, like I like the darker look to them. But it's worth the like time, a thousand more dollars. Yeah, I just normal Western hogs. You know, something that's simple. I really like. Who was I was talking to somebody about this? I was talking to Chris at Badlands Pediculture today on Instagram about it. I was like, I like the projects that are really challenging, but I also really appreciate the really simple, like no stress, no drama, easy projects that aren't anything just super stressful. I like having a little bit of both stuff that I'm like, man, this is going to be tough. And then the ones that are like, these will be a breeze, you know, I'll enjoy it. Well, yeah, for sure. I have a little bit of both. And we had a, we had a good question from Kate in the chat. So how did you guys decide which direction to go when you first started out? I mean, you're starting with babies. How did you decide which babies slash genetics to get looking to your future pairings? Billy just likes stripes. Stripe, yeah. <laughs> Striped, I'll take it. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to just what our eye likes. You know, I think, I think we're got... a bad example because we 
probably oh. we haven't thought it out as much as say because I've been I've been listening or watching like so many ball python people and stuff and their decision making process is like an Way actual process. <laughs> For us, we're like, yeah, let's pick that shit up. I like that. Yeah, let's bring it together. <laughs> well, it's not think, how we talk or how any of our conversations go, but okay. I think a lot of people they don't look long term when they're getting an animal. They say like I've seen this with a lot of local ball python guys here. Let's say they want to do I don't know, a black pastel yellow belly or something. What the hell is that? Say, yeah, right. So <laughs> they just say, hey, I need a yellow belly and I need a black pastel. And they go out and they find the cheapest of each one. And they say, okay, I'll breed them together and then I get what I want. But you have to, uh, I, you have to think about, you know, long-term selective breeding, even when you're doing morph projects. There's people that have done that and then there's people that haven't done that. How many times have you seen a mutation of a certain animal and it wasn't as nice as the next guy's because the next guy took, you know, a couple extra years to get the right stock. You know, you get what you put into it. So you have to think about that too. So like me, it's easy because I like stripes. So if I see a nice stripe, I'm like, Hey, that'll go well with this project then I know to get that animal. And when I was starting, that's what I was doing. I was getting animals I wanted to build on and make them better. That was my thought process. Yeah, and kind of to that point, I realized something that was kind of more important than I thought it was in the beginning is who you actually get them from. So, I mean, most of our stock originates from Don Soderberg and VMS Herp. And when people see that, they have a certain level of trust. Even if I haven't built that trust, you know, we'd be okay. If you have a tiger from Jason Balin you know, you're going to have a good animal or if you have a certain in carpets and maybe a certain line of an animal. But yeah, I think that's important to, you know, obviously the quality of the snake, but also in the future when people, you know, ask you about the parents, you can say, hey, this was from so-and-so, one of the best carpet breeders out there. You know, this is this is from Nickma, and then therefore I know it has lineage up to the highest degree, like that kind of thing. Like that goes a far way and sometimes in different species more so than others, but yeah, well, it goes something in, that I would pay attention to. It goes in everything. Like I know Justin, just because he seeds a bear, it doesn't mean he's buying it. You know, he looks oh, yes, does. too. Yeah. Like that one you got from, uh, is it Daniel Parker? Is it like a, yeah, that pair, this pair, yeah, that's the Paraloma Altus. Yeah. When I saw that thing in person, like, holy crap, man, that animal is awesome. You know? And that's, He's going to build a project off of that because he got quality stock, you know. And how did like you there. how did you pick your projects, Justin? Uh, I mean, as far as green trees, my motto pretty much from day one when I decided that I wanted to breed them was I just want to make cool green snakes. You know, Condro guys, you have dudes that are like hardcore about designer stuff. You have guys that are hardcore about locality stuff, and people are like, "Well, what are you?" And I'm like, "If I think it'll produce some cool looking stuff, I'm going to pair." Um, you know, that's why I got Evan's mail, because I think that mail with some Bioc blood in it is going to produce some really oddball stuff. <clears throat> and it was the same with Cresteds. I like taking Cresteds from, like, two opposite ends of the color spectrum. Like, my first pairing was, like, this really nice orange flame female, and then just this concrete gray male. Like, I hadn't seen any other one like him. And I was like, I'm going to put these together and see what happens. And some of it's, I mean, you're going to strike out. Like, some of the Cresteds I completely struck out. Like, they were babies that weren't 
that great looking. And with cresses, it's like you're either breeding them for people who want them as pets or you're breeding them for people who are breeders and want like top tier, you know, genetics and good looking animals. Um, so I got a pretty good mix of both depending on what the pairings were. But I mean, like the Bairds, I haven't even really started thinking about it. I have my, my adult pair, the first pair of Bairds I got, like those are ready now. Um, the Brettles, I'd like to pursue more of the high black stuff, but I don't know, like green trees. If I think it might produce something cool, then I'll put them together. I know I'm, I'm not super picky. I have one of the, uh, the babies from David Brahms that he produced this year. And that one is really special because that comes from, uh, Rico Walder lineage. Um, that was from, uh, a project i guess him and gary schiavino did together so like having that in the collection like that's a big deal like that i i likely won't just pair to anything because that's you know i want to preserve the rico stuff you know there's only so much of that floating around now i feel there's sort of a responsibility to sort of keep that not necessarily pure but do it do right by it uh you know it's kind of an honor to have his sort of legacy in my collection and because the animals that that David paired that produced that animal, like they both came straight from signal. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there's like some other person threw something in here. Like these are from, you know, the Godfather, and, <clears throat> but I just, I, I just want to produce cool green snakes. I'd keep them all if I could. I love conjure so much, man. Like I, if I could hold on to every single one of them, I would. And I think at the end of the day, you know, there are those people who keep those snakes that are for pets and they don't breed them every year. And there are those people that breed them every year. But I think no matter what, as long as you love what's in your collection, to me, there's no, there's no harm either way. Like, yes, we're going to continue to pretty much breed all of our adults every year, but I love every single one. We also have corn snakes have. who are apt to breed every single year. Right, some true. of the, some of the rare stuff or some things that can really take a lot out of them. It can be dangerous, but. With corns, they're gonna go whether you like it or not. Pretty much. So, <laughs> so yeah. Mean, well, well the bears. You know, the bears or the western hogs, whatever. Like, if I produce some, I don't expect them to sell all that great. But if I have a friend, like a Billy or someone, came to me and was like, "Hey, I want to try out bears. Pay for shipping, and I'll send you, you know, one or two, whatever." Like, I'm not, you know, when you, I don't really do it for the money necessarily. It's just, you know, I have no problems hooking people up if you know they're good friends we're trying to try I on think, a pair for size you know, i right think now. i think we'll definitely have bears in the future but the issue is i'm not an annoying person who only likes adults and i know that's not gonna happen no but um, watching them change is really cool like watching that color I'm start to slowly so particular, creep in. i'm so particular about the things i like i know i'll be pissed if i spend three years and it doesn't come out the way I I'm just so, even right now, like with like our going eye, it's been so long. I, people sent me like 20 different going eye. I don't want either of them because I'm just very, very particular. And so I feel like I just, I got to get two adults, but I know that's probably not going to happen. And also there's things like, like we, we know a guy, there's a guy, Antoine Burke. He, that's where I want to get him from. He's, yes. um, he's in Staten Island, but he's been breeding colubrids for forever and, at White Plains, he always comes with like pictures of the adults. He does like Thayeri, Bairdi, and some other colubrid species. And he has he has like the adults at the top of the of the display case, and then the babies underneath them. And then he also has like a literal physical like flip book of pictures of all the animals. Mm -hmm. And that's like that's how you have to do it. 
or mm-hmm. else you are kind of shooting in the dark. Yeah. Oh, it's and, gotten right. I can't tell if the locality thing, especially, has like gotten out of hand or not. Like to me, it seems like now if it doesn't have a locality, people are like, is it even legit? That's annoying. You know, it's like it's just gotten. I I don't know. I can't tell if if like it's good that people are really pushing the locality thing now or like pursuing it, or if it's just one of those things that's kind of like. It's one of those things that is like hybridizing carpets. People are thinking about it too much. Yeah. Yeah. Billy's over there like. No, no. No, it's like (laughs) that's actually. I'm saying that that hybridizing carpets isn't a big deal, but people make it out to be the end of the world. So some of the best advice I was given when I started all this was, let me preface it. There's room in the hobby for every type of person, whether if you want to be a pure guy, a mixed guy, hybrid guy, whatever. And everyone should represent everything as what it is. And if you don't know what it is, say you don't know what it is. I've lost a lot of sales because, especially in my first couple jungle clutches, my female was undocumented. I got her because she was a pretty snake. Impure. Yeah, impure, whatever. (laughs) But I tell people, they're like, oh, what line is this from? I'm, I don't know. I can make something up or say what she looks like, you know, and try to get over on somebody, but I'm not going to do that. But the the best advice I was given was buy with your eyes, not with people. Says. Mm-hmm. You know, if you like the animal, get the animal, yeah. you know, you're going to be the one taking care of it for the rest of his life. You know, I think people get super caught up in pedigree and all that lineage and like Justin was saying, is it this locality? Is it even worth me getting? Is it, yeah, is it Alterna are really yeah. bad about it too. Like Alterna, if you have like undocumented Alterna and you pair them, good luck selling to Alterna guys because like the locality mm-hmm. thing with Alterna is so hardcore. And that's one of the things about Conjures I like a lot too is like, is it actually the You guys ignore that species exists. You guys just ignore that there's anything other than a chondro that you put together. All of a sudden, these things are turning blue, and you're like, I don't know yeah. what's going on. What the fuck? You know, it's, but. To me, look, look, locality with chondros, like, yeah, it's a thing. But at the same time, it's like unless you went and plucked it from Papua New Guinea yourself or from the farm that it quote-unquote came from, you know, who knows? There's always going to be a degree of, of unknown uncertainty. And so it's, I, I think that's why a lot of conjure guys don't really worry about it that much. There are a few guys that focus on some cool stuff like the RFUX and um, some other localities that are like, there's not a lot of them floating around and they try to keep that pure and that's cool and all. But for the most part, it's like, yeah, it's labeled as a Tamika, but is it actually, who knows? Right. You're just taking somebody's word for it at the exactly. end of the day. And how many hands has it changed since it came into the country, you know, from importer to, to exporter, whatever, you know, how many, how many different, it's like the telephone game, you know, it starts out as one thing by the time it gets to its final destination, it went from being a, a Wamina to a freaking Maruki or whatever. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's a Maruki. The guy told me so. No one knows. Who knows? And then then how many times? Well, and then you find out that all the localities are just cities that, are close yeah, to where they even, got it, and it's gallery. yeah, just a region like a yeah. radius, yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's interesting, like with the alternative, like we're already past where it's understood that like localities are very important. Like you know, we weren't around where that was coming, but we're 
we're in the middle of some of the other, like with the Bairds and everything, where it's like, oh, it's not just an understanding that no, locality is very important. Some people are kind of on the fence. And it's interesting to watch, like, will the Bairds become like the alternator where it's like, nope, you better do locality. There's nothing about it. You know, because I feel like with alternator, there's no, there's no, with alternator, there's no going around it. Like, everyone knows those mountains. Everyone knows those (laughs) random farm road number 70s whatever yeah and that's what i want to understand about is like we actually have access to those still like we can still get those wild caught animals i understand with carpets you know with it when there's different localities or lines because we don't have the the convenience of just going say okay i want julatin localities like let me go get some you know it's not like green trees to an extent um, or the alterna where it's like, okay, I want Christmas mountains. Okay. Well, there's someone who lives in that area who can find me some, you know, some of these things, it does matter because we just don't have access to it anymore. So I get that. Like I get the aspect of preserving it because it's just not something you can get fresh blood in like popwins, popwin carpets, prime example. Like you can get imported popwins and know that they're pure imported popwins because they came from there. But with the, all the Australian stuff, you know, it's a crapshoot. That's when the lineage stuff, I think, really does matter. But I think a lot of, like, locality corns to me, like, I like my I, South Carolina corns I love. I think they're the best corns in the world, naturally. <clears throat> and so I like kind of having that little pet project. But to pick and choose and be like, you know, this one's from this county in Alabama. And it looks just like a Miami, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't even know what I would say if someone asked me what locality corns <laughs> Yeah, but it's just, I don't know. We have a lot of barrier islands here on the coast, and so you get a lot of different phenotypes, different islands and stuff, and I kind of like that. So that's just something I'm tinkering with. And especially, I mean, it's easy to say when you're in South Carolina. Because it's another thing to sell, like, uh, you know, there's plenty of other locale of corns, but South Carolina, anyone can say most of the animals there. Not even just... People don't realize that it's not just like Jasper County. They don't know the county line and they stop looking, you know, like beautiful red, orangish, black, okatee looking animals. I mean, you can get that. Obviously, in Beaufort, those animals are pretty much on par with what you would see in. Like well, Jasper, Jasper County is like 20 minutes away. Like, I, it's right there. I mean, it's, it's actually technically, I guess, in Beaufort County. It's just its own little thing. But, you know, like, Eastern Kings, it does kind of matter, too, because you have a lot of variation in Eastern Kings. You know, the ones from Virginia Beach are going to look completely different from the ones down here. So I do kind of get that, too. But Eastern Kings aren't super popular. They have their little core group. But Dude, in, like, like, Southern Georgia, you can find, like, black and yellow ones. Yeah. Like, I understand some some of them I get. Some of it, some of the locality thing I understand. But some of the other times, I'm just like, really? Like some of the Spilotes, I've seen some of the Spilotes where they're like, this came from this sect region of Costa Rica or wherever they're from. I'm like, no one else is keeping those. Does it really matter? Like, it looks exactly the same as all the other ones I've seen. So why does, like, what is this, what is different about this one to make you have to specify or even really care that it's from this mountain? Don't say that to to Jason. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to know more about that than I will, because if I see two Spilotes next to each other that are the same species, I'm going to be like, I don't see any major difference because I haven't. But not to say it's it doesn't. The same as, I didn't think it was a big deal either. He was explaining it to me. It's the same as every other species. It's pretty crazy. They're just not as popular. So it's not in your face as much. Yeah. 
Right. It's just clearly there's going to be two camps to every, I mean, every little corner of the hobby. Just the, the overall question I have is like, are we taking it too? Is it going, are we taking it too far? Are we worrying about it too much? We're, we're worrying about localities when people are breeding the scales off of snakes. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm like totally fucking against that or anything, but just if you said that to a normal person on the street, you know, it would be pretty obvious that that's crazy. I don't get the scales thing. I don't, I don't dislike it. I just don't understand. Like you're, we keep reptiles cause they have scales and stuff. Why would you want something that doesn't have that? I breed hybrids, so I can't throw stones. They're still snakes. I mean, they're still yeah. scales. No, definitely. I mean, it's, no, no, I was supporting Billy. I was not supporting the scaleless. I was <laughs> amazed at how many there were. Um, they I feel like scaleless just yeah. aren't snakes. <laughs> I was amazed at the number of corn snakes period at Daytona. I hadn't seen that many corn snakes at a show probably ever. So it's a show, man. And I, I've just had so many people hit me up as far as that. It seems like Daytona is kind of a colubrid show, more, more so to where Tinley's. I mean, it's a ball python show. Yeah. Do you sure. think that ball pythons are kind of like people are starting to kind of spread out from those now like you think i don't see it yes and no but i i think i think the market is kind of like stabilized which i think is pretty interesting how so um because i feel like animals that i saw when i was paying attention say like 2014 to when that was really when like the market went down and now i feel like we're seeing a lot of people via youtube getting more people into it Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like it will. I think it will always be around because it's kind of. What was that? Uh, what was that? That company where they used to convince all the kids to sell it. It had like energy drinks and protein powders and stuff. What? Okay, I may be going crazy. It was like one of those pyramid schemes where, basically, what I'm saying is there's always another sucker to keep it going. Meaning, like, there's always someone because I hear more and more people selling them and selling the aspect of making money on them, which I feel like is why it was big in the beginning is because people like Ralph Davis were like really selling the dream. I think we, um, people kind of forget how, how big of a sales job that was in order to get people into ball pythons to create that market to like, you were literally selling this animal based on the fact that you could make money back on it. And I don't think we do that very often anymore. Yeah, but that person still exists. The person who is looking for that hope is looking for that one thing that all they got to do is pair together and get eight eggs and then they're financially free. And that's that's something to where I think is always going to appeal to people to a certain degree. And you're always going to whether the market gets really small or whatnot, you know, it may depend, but. Yeah, I've just I've never paid a whole lot of attention to the whole ball python thing. I've had a few over the years, and I mean I didn't enjoy them as much. I got into Morelia pretty early, so I caught that bug, and that kind of stuck with me. But I just I don't see how people go into it like with that attitude of this is an investment, and I'm going to make money. Cause it's like I don't I just I don't know I don't see how they've stayed like how that rat race has has stayed running for so long. Because you would figure at some point people would be like, this is exhausting. I can't keep up. I don't want to deal with these anymore. Like, and I mean, the, 
if people enjoy that species, that's cool. Like I said, I don't have any issues with ball pythons. I just I try to wrap my head around that whole thing, and I don't I don't get it. But my my favorite ball python morphs are also just your everyday pastel and everyday Mojave. You know, that's that's it. I don't know. Uh, we saw some crazy ones at Travis's house. But I mean, he lost me after like the four names. Yeah, some of them it's getting out of hand. It's like, yeah, it's like I understood. <laughs> I understood what? somewhat why he like he explains like, but this is to put this with this to make this with this and this contrasts with this and this will bring this out and this. And I'm like, yes, I get it. And you're smart and you make things sound really smart, Travis. But it's just like candy yellow ball. I don't yeah, you lost me at like pinstripe like clown double head recessive. <laughs> and also yeah. I think I think my eye is not trained for ball pythons. Like I swear if you were in the ball pythons, I think I would be even corn snakes are pretty obvious. They're pretty bright in comparison. There's but... there was multiple ball pythons he showed us, and I was like, those all look like normals to me. I like the highways like the a lot. Thing. The highways look really cool. Highways are awesome. Yeah, we saw like a freeway <laughs> pastel orange green thing. It. I don't know how people keep it. No, I cool. truly don't know how people keep it in their heads. I mean, the Punnett squares must be a freaking nightmare. <laughs> how? One out of 256. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did, what did Travis say? His uh, yeah, he This girl was waiting for him price. to. She was yeah, this girl wanted a normal. Oil. She wanted it. That's all she wanted. And she kept asking him, like, did you produce a normal? Did you produce a normal? And he was like, well, all of these clutches I'm doing all have about four or five genes in them. So the chances of me producing a normal is like, uh, he said it, like one out of 250, something similar. It was similar, like literally like, close to what, like, Billy, to what Billy just said. Like something yeah. crazy. He's like, the chances of me producing a normal are so low because all of these snakes have five or six genes in them. And it's the same like way with the Western Hawk, like I was saying. I've never seen like, someone hold out for a normal for so long. They moved past the like Western Hawk so clutch. fast. You finally got a normal. Like the, the morph crazy and hog noses showed up and everyone's like, normals? Pfft, forget that. Like, I'm going to produce super anaconda, arctic, sable, scaleless things. And it's no one, people, some people just want a normal. And I want to be the guy that produces just normals. Well, I'm going to keep on making mutants, so I like both. Well, like Billy said earlier, I think there's a place for everyone. Like, you know, even though we sit here and we talk about ball pythons and whatever, whatever, they all have their place. The $2,000 ball python breeder has their place. And I'm glad that that rack that Billy's in front of exists because that wouldn't exist without, you know, such a good product wouldn't exist without stainless steel racks wouldn't exist without ball pythons. Or, you know, just our modern way that we keep snakes at this point is just, yeah. No protein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just that I'm glad that it gave us some type of infrastructure in comparison to, uh, it made the hobby grow. I mean, yeah, we, we all like to take jabs at ball pythons and stuff, but without them, the hobby wouldn't be anywhere near where it's at today. Absolutely. You have to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, and like ninety percent of our, we at least have bred ball pythons before, or have. I guess I guess neither of you guys have. Have you? Did both of you skip over that? I tried, and uh, I was unsuccessful. 
I guess I'm the one guy that can't breathe. Billy, didn't you say earlier uh, everyone knows how to do that? You did. I'm not everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Did you grow them up or did you just have adults that you put together? Oh, I grew them up and I had. So you did everything right. Well, I was still figuring out the hobby too. I was still pretty new to it and I wasn't doing things the right way. I was just throwing them together and seeing what happened that. I got bored of them before I nailed it down. So. I just, I, like I said, I got into Morelia early. So to me, when I kept a ball python after keeping carpets, I was like, these things aren't really all that fun. Can't go backwards. But they're still cool snakes. I mean, they're still a snake, so I still appreciate them. Like, like I've said on the podcast before, you know, the morphs are cool. I appreciate them for what they are. You know, I don't, I can't keep up with them, but. I see a cool ball python. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's not like, oh, it's a ball python. Disgusting. Throw it in the trash. You might as well feed that to your indigo. You know, it's not like that at all. It's whatever. It's just I ball python. Ball python guys are just such an easy target. You know? I know. I kind of feel bad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like I know there's a lot of ball python breeders that listen to our podcast, and I kind of. Then bad. it's funny also because you go to Tinley and like, I don't know. In a way, they're like the cool kids of the group and they're yeah they're the the hot item and we're just the nerds with the dirt snakes the different stuff the crappets <laughs> the crappets <laughs> i mean i will say and i've said this before jake continues to disagree with me that conjures are the superior morelia i think Definitely. morelia morelia overall is superior to all other penises yeah, but Condros. <laughs> that was your out, bro. Condros <laughs> <laughs> are the superior Morelia. Jake's like, yeah, well, mine all ate on the first try. I'm like, yeah, that's because Stevie Wonder could breed Poplins. Whoa. <laughs> Even Billy could breed Poplins, right? Helen Keller could breed Poplins. <laughs> okay. You want to get on some Stephen Hawking level shit, you breed Condros. <laughs> Neil deGrasse I- Tyson could kick ass at Condros. You guys got snooky breeding poplins. <laughs> I mean, I think it, rough scale is, yeah, rough scale <laughs> is like the the extra special Morelia at this point. I'm reading that, that, that way. What makes me feel that way? The fact that they're like one of the rarest pythons in the world, and we have them for oh, some Brian. reason. But there's a million of them. Because Bolins aren't in Morelia anymore. They're still Morelia. I don't care what people say. Scrubs, Boelans, all that stuff. It's If it's Somalia, it's always going to be Morelia. Close enough. Like it's, they're always going to get lumped in with that. It's never it's never. But then, but then Chondras are going to be Chondras. But then you're saying that they're the best Morelia. But they're still Chondras. So. Yeah. That's why I breed them together. Yeah, Billy's like, <laughs> going to go around all this. He's going to combine Snooki and Neil deGrasse Tyson to create <laughs> a super snake. That eats on the carpet but looks like a green tree. So he's like, screw all y'all. I got this code. I don't care if you make the ball bowlins or whatever the hell. I mean, I think it's all in good fun. It's blasphemy, but I won't hate on you for apparently Bowellens is the wrong way to say it. Is it Bowlins? Yes. I've heard people say it that way, but I don't know if that's uh yeah. Macklets. Add that to the list, Justin. Yeah. Whatever. I'm so excited about my Macklots. Dude, no your Macklots are sweet. 
Maclots <laughs> are awesome. Maclots are awesome. How old are they? Snakes. I got a three-year-old female and a two-year-old male, a yearling pair, and then a hatchling female. Do they need like a solid four to five years, or can you give them a go at three? I've heard you can give them a go at three, but I'm going to wait till my male is a little bigger and then go from there. That's another one. Nobody cares about them. They all, everyone cares lives in Savus and now Duns. Nobody really cares about the Maclots anymore. So, but it's just something I'm excited about. So yeah. Seeing your Maclots, man, they're awesome. Really pretty snakes. I love some Maclots. I just think keep thinking chiclet in my head. <laughs> Whatever he says, Macklet, my brain says Chicklet, and I don't know why. You know the little gum <laughs> thing? Yes, of course. I know. <laughs> but they're not the same. But all of all of Liasis is both amazing and, for the most part, underappreciated. Right. And that's what everyone says. They all say they're underrated and all that, but how many of those people have one and just keep yeah, them? Yeah, exactly. Like, man, those are really cool. You want some? No. how many times do you hear that about a species i've heard that about maclots for 10 plus years now timors in particular like timors too you think those would be blown up by now because everyone's always talking about how awesome they are luke myers had some timors and those are pretty cool he was he was pretty sad when he got rid of his but he was telling me how awesome they are those are cool i've heard they're dirty they're painters I actually heard something the other day about them. I don't know how true it is, but they're like this weird splitting point between like retics and scrubs or something like that. I've heard that. I didn't know about that, but it makes sense after looking at them. I'm like, holy shit, that's right. Cause it does kind of look like both. Like someone was like, I'm not going to pair a ball python and a retic. I'm going to pair a scrub at a retic, except it was God who did it. And he made Timor <clears throat> and yeah. Take that, Christians. <laughs> Hitting all the bases, man. That's right. So, getting everybody involved. Yep. Just if you offend everyone, then you offend no one, right? That's how the that's how it goes. Not always, Melissa. <laughs> that was Justin's logic before everyone or no one. Underrated Dude. doesn't always mean difficult. But I feel like a lot of times it. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, it's so underrated, it's so cool. But then they're not working with it because. But it then might you be pick diff- up a team more, and it shits on you. It, and it, bites or you bites and right, so, right. Yeah. So I think a lot of the things that people think are unrated and cool, underrated and cool, are also a lot of the times maybe size is a factor or aggression or all that kind of stuff. Or like people always love to be like, oh, your water python's amazing, but if I hand them a baby water python. I didn't like it. I mean, they're not for everybody. That's for sure. But I've just heard so many people say it's almost like a cliche now. Like, oh, they're so underrated or this or that. But yet you see them at the show and they're getting the eight gene ball python. You know, and it's like, all right, you already have a small army of them. This is cool and underrated, but it's not neon colors. So why do I want it? Yeah. It's not an investment animal, Billy investments i i'm fully aware with all my animals i'm never gonna make my money back (laughs) i've already come to terms with that that's not why i got into this like justin was saying people that get into it with that mentality yeah yeah it's not gonna end well well yeah you're just waiting for one bad thing to happen and it gives you a reason to give up because your intentions aren't pure but yeah that's kind of cliche to say but 
it's a you gotta yeah. yeah you gotta love what you're doing and at the end of the day i mean at least the way we look at it we're we are trying to make money but it is a business like do it in a way a that, that does play a factor in it yeah like I, people who like i that's something that drives me crazy is people are like you know well it's a business so you worry about money it's like well yeah if i'm doing it as a business money does play a part in it how much like, of a I part of it is on you yeah yeah it's not the part exactly part of it yeah i can tell you that definitely <laughs> we've had leaner times whether it's financially or you know as far as snakes you know, there's no money coming in and you feed more, you do everything when you have money available and you can make money off the snakes and you can buy more caging and do all that stuff. So I think oftentimes we're able to reinvest the money. So, I mean, that's really what I want is to at least have money come in so that I can spend it on snakes and or not all snakes, but snake things like getting some more hatchling racks and doing, you know, things like Making that. Making things so, more convenient. Yeah. But also I think I don't know, less snakes will escape if we're if they're in a hatchling rack. <laughs> That's a factor. That's yeah, one downside of colubrids. Yep. Little tiny devils that if you leave the smallest crack. Look at it. It was funny just being at Travis's, like looking at his cages. I look at it, I look at cages from the colubrid eye. You know, the whole time I'm like, oh, can't have a corn snake in there. Oh, can't do that. And it's like, no, but these cages weren't weren't built there for was corn snakes. <laughs> yeah, you know, all these different yeah. things. There's a black in one of them. Like, these weren't built for corn snakes ever. But it's very interesting. Like, we all have this kind of lens on based on what we work with of how we look at things like I'm not saying we're you know totally blindsided to how other people look at it or can't even think about it but it definitely affects how we see things like when i walk into someone's room or anything like that how i see an animal we have that kind of colubrid lens on yeah but that means that's like your default setting if that's what you're focused yeah. on then that's what you're going to be looking for you know and we view everything through that and I think and like that, and that's if that's what you're focused on, then that's the way you should be looking at it. You know? Yeah. And, and I it, even things like size. I'm like, I think before I got into snakes, if someone had said, Oh, like if Joe on our first date had been like, Oh, most of my snakes are like five feet, I probably been like or three to five feet, I would have freaked out. But now I'm like, three to five feet is nothing. Like uh, that's I do that every day. And it's not like, you know, like that's nothing. But still, you know, the eight, 12 feet things, that is really big for me still. But I'm sure there's people out there who do it every day. I'm like, this isn't a problem. Um, and so we all, depending on what we work with, we view things all very different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel Contro like guys aren't going to look at a rack the same way a ball python guy will, like what Billy has. You know, for what Billy does, that's perfect for his stuff. But for Contros, that's not something I would do. But whatever yeah. yeah or some people you're able to i'm able to let my room swing a certain amount or mm -hmm. you, are, you know like or who right, was like it? those people who have to keep things so specific when they walk into a room they probably look for the thermostat first or like their eye is called to the thermostat to see like oh what kind of thermostat are they using oh what temperature? you know there's different things or they'll be like you don't have the a ceiling fan what? like that's the most <laughs> effective like 
so there's a lot of people who swear on on different things. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I kind of wish we had a ceiling fan. They help. Someone in chat made a good point. Like, I can't post a meme on the freaking THP account without someone showing up and ruining the party. Are I don't know. Y'all get a lot of that, though. Y'all get a lot of comments and stuff where you're like, we don't who are you? Memes. We don't post memes too often. I just mean in well, general. Like, you can't do anything now without someone piping up and either being upset about it or something. And I used to be at a point where I just kind of ignored it. Now I'm just like, whatever. You know, I post something on Instagram and it's got a hashtag ball python and it's not a ball python. I have people who post, they're like, why is this hashtag ball python in this? I'm like, oh, we've been getting that lately. Because I want to. I'm, I'm trying to do, do my job and create free content for you. And I <laughs> uh, just want it to be seen by people, man. I don't know what to tell you. My but. take on that, and I've, I don't remember where I said it, but like I do hashtags with stuff like that. Like it'll be a picture of a chondro and I'll have a ball python hashtag. And I'm like, because I want maybe someone who's scrolling through ball pythons, who's maybe new to the hobby, isn't familiar with what a green tree python is. Mm-hmm. And so they mm-hmm. see that in the feed, and then they're like, wow, I wonder what that is. I'm going to look into it. And then they end up like researching green trees, and then they end up getting one. doesn't have to be for me, but it's just like drawing more attention to the species, like I said before. And so people are like, why is this, why is this hashtag in here? This isn't a ball python. It's like, are you sure? It'll be a picture of a bear. That's not a ball python. I'm like, really? Ooh, what is it? Tell me, please. Because you like, don't know it is. I just, I just like mess with people now. Like I just, I don't. Whatever. You're gonna take the time to be a little punk ass. I'm gonna give it right back. Ooh, to you. Fighting words. <laughs> I posted a picture of my Python portal with one of the green trees in it, and I had a couple of European guys that were like, "Fuck that way of keeping snakes." And I'm like, "Okay." I just gave him a little thumbs up. I uh, it's, I stopped posting on a beauty snake group. Because they would just jump my ass every time I'd post uh, my Chinese beauties in Iraq. They would lose their minds on me. It's where I was like, screw it. I'm just, you guys obviously aren't open to other ideas, you know, because they think everybody should have zoo quality enclosures. You know, I'm not going to dedicate the whole room to one, you know, Chinese beauty. So. Yeah. Whatever. Screw them. Yeah. I don't think anyone's supplying the hobby with Chinese beauties and six foot cages. Unfortunately, it just probably isn't very possible, unfortunately, you know? I mean, that's the thing. It's not even, it doesn't even make any sense for someone like you who has a hundred snakes and. Well, obviously the easy answer to that is, hey, maybe don't have so many snakes, but it's not your collection. Yeah, Yeah. and that's my, we're pretty much where I'm at with the whole like naturalistic versus like simple sterile setups is like, if the snake is appearing to be healthy and doesn't seem to be having any issues, doesn't seem to be stressed, what's the problem? Like if it's working for you and the snake is thriving, you know, and sure there's a difference between surviving and thriving. But to me, the whole argument of natural versus simple setups is like that all goes out the window when you're keeping them in a, you know, 200 quart tub. You know, like if you want to talk about natural versus, versus the, whatever we do here in the States, whatever you want to call it artificial or I don't, I don't know what the term is, but it's like that the whole argument is kind of invalid when you're keeping them in captivity period. We're keeping snakes in boxes at the end of the day. Exactly. So if you put a couple of live plants in there or it's just some paper towels, you know? And that's not saying anything about the European guys. Uh, you know, Lawrence Kensington with his scrubs, like his setups are freaking awesome. 
there's a lot of guys that keep venomous in the, in the in Europe that have incredible Vivaria that they're in, and that's awesome and all, but that's just not something like it's funny how just divided like the hobby is compared like there to here, you know, just how how much more elaborate and how smaller collections are over there compared to here. And I don't like to say one way is better than the other. Like I said, if it works mm-hmm. for you and the steak is is fine, like is eating fine, you know, isn't sick, isn't having any issues. Because one of the things with the Python portal that I posted the other day was like, you know, that's all it gets. Like, it just gets a perch and a water bowl. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you ever kept a chondro? Like, they don't care. They don't care. You know, the Boiga, those have more hides. Those have more coverage because they are they need it. Like, they stress easily. Chondros mm-hmm. don't give a shit. They sit on a stick all day and sleep. Like, they're the laziest snakes I've ever kept. So if you put it in a wooden cage with the same size wooden perches and a fake vine around it, it's going to be better. Exactly. It's not, it's not any different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My experience with chondros with setting them up like that is that they start to rebel and want to die as soon as you put them <laughs> into something, you know, I try to do naturalistic setup and it was kind of in like a high traffic. I did area that with my and, first one and it, it failed miserably. I killed yeah, that snake for a month. They, they don't yeah. like that. It's like, okay, I'll stick you in a bin on top of a rack, and then I'll see you when I feed you and clean you. And, and a lot of that much- stuff is just that person telling you that because that sort of setup makes them feel better. Yeah. Like the snake yeah. doesn't care, but because you think that it matters, you then think that it matters to the snake, and the snake didn't tell you that. So how do you know? My snake helps me. Thank you very much. The whole thing of like, that snake's unhappy. It's like, you don't, no one knows. No one's right or wrong, really. And that whole argument is kind of where I'm at with it. It's like, we don't, unless Mm -hmm. we can somehow telepathically jump into the minds of these animals, we don't know. And I would love to, I would love to give everything that I can for my snakes. And if, if husbandry evolves, and I think it should evolve, I mean, I think we can always do more, you know. I don't want to always impede on progress, but I also don't want to go the opposite way because where we're coming from is from a more naturalistic. I mean, before the whole industry took off, that's how everyone was keeping as far as, you know, they were converting a cabinet. They were putting a bunch of random plants in there. They were doing all their, all they could to make a beautiful display cage. And, you know, I'm sure that worked for people as well. And then, it was kind of popular to have a more commercial setup because, you know, all the people we saw on YouTube or wherever the hell, you know, had that certain setup or, you know, you saw Ben Rennick with that, like everything was like bleach white and amazing and like sterile looking, like it looked like a lab. Mm-hmm. And then like people were just infatuated by that shit and went really, really simple. And, and now I feel like uh, reptile rooms are, eclectic and people are trying all different things which i think is always good and there are some things i disagree with you know like keeping large you know big berms big retics and you know small eight foot whatever's you know that i'm kind of like they probably do need a little more than that dwarf caimans prime example too people buy those they get adult sizes they can't reasonably keep an adult in the setup it needs or should be in um water monitors yeah water i mean any of the bigger bigger stuff like those need space like you don't see zoos keeping these animals in tiny 
setups where they can't really like fully stretch out and whatever. I just so some of it I do think like yeah, there is a point. You know, they do need more space than what's given, but whatever. Not my snakes, not my circus, not my monkeys. <clears throat> I like yeah. that. Not that's my problem. What it all whittles down to. Yep. And that's what I tell people too. People want to gripe about the setups, and it's like, is it your problem? Oh, if oh, I see something God. I disagree with, it's not my problem. I don't care. Whatever. It sucks for the snake. I feel bad for it, but there's nothing I can do about it. That person's going to do whatever they're going to do. There's Move a person on. who has an animal in a rack that they're neglecting or have it in a cage with all the best shit, but since they put isopods and whatever, they're not doing anything and it kept like shit. I'm sure that's a thing too. So, Yeah, whatever. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. What are you going to do? Try, like Go to that person's place and confiscate their animal? No, you're just going to grab about on the internet. No one's going to actually agree on anything. No one's going to change their mindset. And everyone just goes to bed pissed off. Because the person, the stranger on the internet, the anonymous picture and name, made me mad. Well, a way to go home or go to bed not pissed off is to listen to a great podcast and reach out to great people. So Billy and Justin, (laughs) (laughs) Billy and Justin, if someone wanted to reach out to you, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. And I do have a YouTube channel too, uh, Uobami Reptiles. Uh, that's the easiest way to get in contact with me. Or now with me and Justin, the magazine too. Yeah. And when does the magazine come out? Do you guys have a set date every month now? Uh, the end of the month, each month right now. So the second issue, I think, did we decide we're going to drop that after Thanksgiving? I think so. Yeah. 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 It- End of November. He'll drop it like two weeks early. <laughs> if it, I mean, if it's done with the holidays and stuff, it's going to be a little squirrely. We'll kind of have to play it by ear. And how can people find it? Uh, it's on issue.com. Um, if you go and find us on Instagram or Facebook, uh, it's just Herpeticulture Magazine. Um, you can get a link to the first issue on our Instagram in the bio. And then on Facebook, I think I pinned that post to the top. So you can just go to our Facebook page and it should be right there. And if you don't oh. know, issue is spelled weird. So yeah. Like normal issue, it's I-S-S-U-U. Yeah, I've looked into other platforms and stuff. I think we need to upgrade our account in order to get it on Google and uh, iOS or whatever, I the Apple Store. But really, go to their Instagram, give them a follow, <clears throat> follow the link, and then your life is easy. And It's Justin, free. You can read I, it on your phone. You can read it on your computer. You can read it on your tablet whatever you want to do snapchat i don't care read it wherever there's electronic screen and there's pretty pictures <laughs> yes good words for guy for guys like james lewis i put a lot of pictures in there to make it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's got to figure out how to make a pop out i know him and ryan cox need those pictures you know yes. there's a lot of words big words in there those that that louisiana and kentucky brain just gets a little excuse cute. me yeah you too there's pictures we can work on finding a way to get like a coloring page in there for some something okay that'd be great i'd like that one of those adult coloring pages (laughs) that take like 20 hours to complete what are you drinking hot in here me yeah Yeah. you drinking some rocks oh no they're the like (laughs) fake ice cube thingy bobbers 
That makes sense, huh? Fake ice cube. It's it's yeah. like these stones that you put in the freezer. Yeah, and... no, I use those for the scotch and stuff. It wake it doesn't water it down. Ice cubes. Yeah. My wine wasn't cold enough yet, so I put the fake ice cubes. Yeah, I'm interested hey. more in what Billy was drinking in that girl's tumbler. <laughs> in my Uwabami tumbler. That's Uwabami tumbler. Whoa! <laughs> How dare you? It looks very feminine. I'm sorry. My man's branding is on point. <laughs> That was a gift from a family member. Thank you. Oh, yeah, wow, you're a real piece of shit. They're not that sharp. She didn't catch on very quick. So You didn't know it was his own thing. No, but I wasn't going to say, what's that girly ass drink you got? I didn't there? say it like that. He didn't answer what it was in it because he was so offended. <laughs> yeah, nice tumble. Get to the heart of the question. Did you get it? Pier one imports. <laughs> <laughs> I have whatever. I'm gonna keep though. He's got that shirt that says if if you're what does it say? If you want herbs, get with me. Yeah. Well that's very brave to wear that shirt in public. He wore it at Daytona. That's great. I think Daytona's a drink out of this cup. (laughs) (laughs) In and Daytona is perfectly acceptable, just outside of the snake world. I bet you get a lot of looks. I live in the south. I'm getting looks anyway. He's in Florida. It's like another what is planet. That, what does that mean? <laughs> anything goes in Florida. Yeah, everything goes. Yeah. Very it's God's waiting room. Yeah, a lot of old people. Turn <laughs> down their nose at you. Yeah. I feel that that old people heat is real. The uh, judgment. That's, that's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, but if people want to find us, they can find us at Port City. But y'all, Justin didn't even say I his contact stuff. info. Oh, shoot, back it up, back it up, Justin. Y'all can find me at Palmetto Coast Exotics. Uh, cigar smoke. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube. Um, I have a YouTube channel. Haven't really posted on it in the last like two weeks. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Palmetto Coast Exotics, all that good stuff. Sweet. And then, yeah, and of course, check out Justin and Jake's podcast. And, of course, the magazine. And for us, we are PortCityPythons.com, Facebook.com. What? Sorry. Sorry. Thanks, Melissa. They're going in on me on the comments now. What happened? (laughs) They're going in on me. I did (laughs) <laughs> so James said you get that tumbler with a free, free with a mammogram. Oh. <laughs> oh man. I have to talk smack about James because every time we do an episode of the show, within like by the morning, we have a meme making fun of us. For oh yeah, he's real wrong. good. He's real Dude, good. He has too much time on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, I yeah. was not going that far. They took it way farther than I was than I was thinking with it. Oh, Ryan, I'll see you at Carpet Fest, bud. <laughs> Digital oh, I like this. Okay, we were. I was trying well, to end it. We suck at ending these things. Well, Thank you guys so things. much for listening. I mean, we can do like the Pia and Cody thing and just keep it going if you want. Yeah, I got work to do. We'll keep it going until 4 a.m. Yeah, only the real there, right? I mean, does Carpet Fest end since Cody's there or is it just 24 hour sprint? 
I want to get Cody back on the show, but we also have to find a day where we can clear out half that day. A weekend. A weekend. Yeah. I have a feeling yeah. he doesn't sleep. You think no, he's, I I think he he best, sleep. I feel he like he wouldn't dude, sleep. That dude is always going. He's like yeah, the freaking energizer right buddy. He's nuclear powered or something. I don't know how he does it. He yeah, we used to bottle that up, share it with the rest of the world. Yeah. One person doesn't yeah. deserve all that. It's unfair to hog all that energy. Exactly. Harness his DNA and use it. <laughs> mix, mix his energy with Jennifer Aniston and Keith Richards, and we will have the secret to immortality. Because <laughs> you will never age like Aniston. You will never die like Keith Richards, and you will have infinite energy like Cody. That sounds like a meme for tomorrow, James. Oh, if you ever want to make fun of James Lewis, just call him James. I love James, like with an N? Yeah. <laughs> I, the rest of the world won't get that. I probably shouldn't have said that on a podcast that a bunch of people listen to. Okay. Um, actually ending this. If you are in the PA or New York area, see us this weekend at the two reptile shows. If not, fire sneaks on the internet. Uh what? <laughs> Good kids. Next week, we'll be back with two more friends, and we'll see you guys then. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Billy. Whoa, going out with the smoke rings. Fancy, fancy. Billy, what's your cool end of the show trick? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for for listening, (laughs) and we will get back to you guys next week. Yes, like I just said five seconds ago. Hey, man, I just got to tie it all back up again. That's right.